Class, today we are going to learn how to die with dignity. The most important lesson: never lose your corpse. Is that because people are mean and will deface your body? No, it's because all the stuff your body spits out will attract wild animals and might melt in a rainstorm. So you definitely want to get it back ASAP. Next up, how to explain embarrassing death to others? Oh, is this about that time I wandered into a hole without looking around and got torn apart by sixteen angry monsters? I was just trying to make them feel overconfident. Right. Well, there are some strategies that just don't seem to pay off very well unless you want the monsters to die laughing at you. Last lesson for now: be nice to everyone and everything you meet. It really throws the monsters off if you try killing them with kindness, and I've seen it work. Well, once about out of five thousand tries, but it did happen. Here it comes, podcasting's finest few hours of gaming prizes. Action RPG fans, come on down. Final Fantasy players, come on down. Might and Magic lovers, come on down. And Disgaea fanboys, come on down. You are the first four contestants on the RPG Backtrack. And here are the stars of the RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Mickey. your swords and prepare your spells. Your friends at RP Gamer got a story to tell. Are you ready to hear about your favorite RPGs? Because we'll be going back a few years in history. If you've got a backlog that is really long, we'll tell you what's right to play and what is wrong. we got RP Gamer staff on the mic to talk about these games for most of the night. So pull up a chair, we will give you no flack. You're listening to the RPG Backtrack. And welcome to RPG Backtrack. This is episode number 139. I'm your host, Phil Willis. Well, I'm not Phil Willis, so I must be Mike Minky. And we're here to die over and over again. And over and over again. And to help us die over and over again is Mr. Michael A. Cunningham. Greetings! And I am more than ready to get killed over and over and over again. And to make it just a little more confusing, let's throw in another mic, Mr. Michael Apps. What, no Apps pun? I'm disappointed. No. He's probably still playing Codename Steve. Uh-huh. That's true. Yeah, so, no, no full attention on the, on the puns in this case. Yay, Lion Launcher Gun Go! <laughs> oh, I love the Lion Launcher. Everybody needs a Lion Launcher Gun. Okay. A- Anywho, Taken but- out of context, that could probably work out in just about any situation. 
But hey, we're not here to talk about Codename Steam, but we might later on. We're really here to talk about a game where you die over and over again. A game they claimed your souls. But yes, Demon Souls. What did you want to say it a different way, Mike? Uh, am I supposed to have something amazing ready? Because I don't. Uh, yeah, the demon. It's, it's got a lot of souls. Let's uh, let's let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so many souls to talk about. Hey, there's plenty of souls to talk about. Lots of souls. We will show you. We'll this show. is not a this is not a soulless game. All right, I've got a question before we even start. Apps. Ooh, you like yes. demon souls, right? Uh, that's a complicated question. Oh, you like the Souls games, right? Yes. You would consider yourself a Souls game fan, correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So this is going to be like the one few time that we get together on a podcast and at least like a game together. <laughs> so this is true. Yay! I enjoy that. It's fun to have it once in a while. So there rarity. must be an exception to prove the rule, right? Indeed. No, you must disagree with each other. <laughs> okay, we will. Don't worry about that. Yay! <laughs> Don't you have like a biography or something to read of this? Do we have to tell all about well, it? No, no. Well, first, we have to, you know, the, oh. the show isn't free. We have to take a commercial break for our sponsor. So we'll be right back right after this. We have returned tonight. We are talking about Demon Souls, an action RPG experience developed from software and SCE Japan Studio, published in North America by Atlas USA. This was released in North America October 6, 2009, for the PlayStation 3. And I uh, thought it came out on, didn't it eventually come out on PC as well? No, not this one. Not this one, okay. This is a single-player and multiplayer action RPG experience. And as I recall, this was a major gamble for Atlas at the time. This is, this is, it definitely is a gamble, was a gamble, because this has been described as the spiritual successor to Kingsfield. (laughs) Oh, boy. Let me give you a little insight into that, uh, that gamble that they took. Um, when the game came out in Japan, Sony published it in Japan and didn't get great reviews, didn't sell extremely well, but then people started importing it, and there was an Asian version that had English subtitles and like English voice acting and everything, and people started importing that one and playing it, and people started loving it everywhere. So for some reason or another, Sony decided, eh, we're not going to really publish that one. 
and there was apparently a big bidding war that went out among the you know localizers here in North America, and I'm not sure exactly how much people paid for it, but somebody was probably willing to put down a big chunk of change to get something from Sony, because it's hard to get something from a big publisher like Sony without some big money behind it. So Atlas made a big gamble, but they made a great gamble, I'll have to say. They made a, made a really good choice. Is it still their best-selling game of all time? If not, I'd be surprised, because I'd yeah. say the Persona games are good, but you've got them divided up, you know, between all the remakes and everything that's going on. So I'd say single best-selling game, I would have a hard time imagining anything else having, yeah. having topped this, especially since it was a big console game at the time and not just, uh, you know, a lot of their stuff's on handhelds and stuff that don't do as well. Yeah, wasn't its initial print run much, much larger than anything Atlas had ever done? I'd imagine so, because they probably had to put a big chunk of change into it to get, you know, Sony to give them the rights to do it and to agree to publish it and, you know, help with production and everything. So I'd imagine they put a lot into it, but it seems like it's paid off for them pretty well. Um, I remember during one of the Run to the Sun visits that we did, way before, it was like a year or two before Demon's Souls came out here, it's probably 2008, um, we went to, I think it was NIS America, and they were showing off the games that they had in their little demo room. And as soon as we left, they popped their stuff out, and somebody was on break. <laughs> they popped in Demon Souls and was playing it. Um, <laughs> this was before Atlas had ever picked it up or anything. We didn't even really know about the game. They were in there playing the import version. It was hilarious <laughs> just to watch them. Because, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty big. And I remember hearing people talking a lot about it at the time. So, But I digress. I'll let you get back on the... I, I actually yeah. almost imported it. Like, I think uh, right around the time they announced the localization, mm-hmm. uh, I was, like, already looking into places to buy from, and, you know, they announced that, and then I held off. It's probably a good thing. Yeah. That's that's an unusual path to localization this day and age. Yeah. Um as for what do you, what do you mean by that specifically? What is that? I I mean I can't think of any. I'm sure there are some, but any other big games that had massive import sales before localization is even announced. So, and, and I know this is not the most story intensive title, but right, we know that many people in North America are not interested in anything that is subtitled. Let's face it. True, but. As we said, it had English voice acting and English subtitles and everything. The whole game was basically untouched when Atlas localized it. They cleaned up some of the text descriptions. They changed some of the item names to make them a little clearer, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I don't think they changed any of the voice acting. Um, they didn't have to. All they really did was just clean up the item descriptions and text and stuff, so they didn't have to do a ton to it except for the, you know, publishing costs, licensing costs. There were some Print. weird text descriptions of things, too, like <laughs> one of the items was called Sticky White Stuff, and that that was <laughs> that was in the Asian version. It was called Sticky White Stuff in the Asian version, and it was so... No, that is not a among, helpful description. <laughs> yeah, it was so popular among the import crowd, though, that Atlas USA decided not to change that one. <laughs> they just kept it as is, and it's hilarious. Add a little, add a little clarifying text? Yeah, well, it, it really pretty much is, sounds like what it is. <laughs> well, I oh. guess... It was going to be an M-rated game either way, I guess. There you yes. go. 
I don't recommend Googling that. <laughs> but Not unless if you you've got really good filters on. <laughs> the in-game description is sticky white wax-like substance. Apply it to the right end weapon for a magical effect. <laughs> uh, we won't go there. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I think I think that's a George Takai moment. Uh, <laughs> all right, and that's a wrap thank you for joining us on the rpg backtrack a sticky white podcast production of rpgamer.com sorry i cut phil off in the middle of his intro things so i'll let you get back to the track and then we'll tear things apart no 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 i was done oh okay well, wait, isn't, isn't there a greatest hits version of it we can discuss for an alternate release date Mm, it's not. It's not listed here on Wikipedia, so I, I don't know what to tell you. If it's not on Wikipedia, okay. it doesn't. It's not official. <laughs> well, that's true. We we can't go against Wikipedia. It knows all. Um. Well, in that case, I guess we should dive into the game itself. What what part would you like to start off? It's a pretty pretty deep game. Like you said, it's not very story heavy, but very mechanics heavy and very world and lore heavy. So. So I'll. Point us the direction, and we'll talk. I tell you, what, I'll, I'll put I'll put out I'll put out the stage here, right? Because because I haven't put a lot of time in this game, but my first few hours with it, mm-hmm. I, I can describe these first few hours over and over again. <laughs> um, death, death, dying over and no. It's really funny. Was uh, you know I bought this game on all the hype, and at the time I think because I pre-ordered it, it had a or maybe just because that's what came with it. But did y'all get like a really big thick strategy or instruction book? Yes, it came yeah. with the uh, strategy guide with the initial limited edition launch. Yeah, yeah. But stupid me did not get the limited edition. Right. So I was reading that on the. Pl- I had a plane trip that week. Uh, yeah. I had picked it up and went right onto the plane practically. Uh, so I had this nice, enjoyable book to read on there and back. But I had to wait a whole week before I could actually get back and pop it in and play it. Um, when I did, so it's a third-person perspective. Um, action rpg the camera's right behind the dude and i'm very much a fan of strategy and tactical rpgs because i grew up playing pen and paper you know for me if you say role-playing game that's the first thing that pops into my head uh i've never been a big huge fan of quote-unquote you know action rpgs but this one's different because uh this one really pulls you into the experience uh, partly because of that third person <laughs> what are you laughing at the experience of dying over and over again is that what no you're comment. thinking of yeah no no so 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 I had heard that it was a pretty deadly game because by the time I got home I had I saw these tweets and notes from my friends about dying over and over again I had one friend who I was talking to on Skype and while we were talking I could hear him throwing his controller against the wall as obscenities <laughs> poured out of his mouth like a waterfall uh, so when I got, but when I got home and I popped it in, knowing how deadly it was, I played it very, very carefully. Like if I even got down to half health, I ran back out. I just, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to die over and over again. And, and, and as I walk forward, as I push forward, every time we get a little bit further and, and, and you just never knew what corner or trap was going to, you know, going to hit you on or what, or an enemy was going to pop out, what angle he's going to hit you from. So, uh, so, you know, it really made me feel like, you know, I was really in a dangerous setting, really a dangerous dungeon or whatever. When I play pen and paper games, I do my utmost to try to make my players feel this is a dangerous place to be. You're in a dangerous land or you're up against a dangerous foe. But because of the game mechanics of Dungeons & Dragons and Pathfinder, 
usually the players don't oftentimes feel like they're really balls to the wall difficult. They don't really feel, they don't really feel like they could die at any minute. In fact, these things have been softened up so much. If a player dies, it's a big surprise. But in Demon Souls, where you really felt like death was around every corner, it really filled you up with that suspense and made you feel the mortality of being a uh, being one of these knights in these medieval you know lands where a huge ass dragon's there in the background licking its chops. Uh, and, <laughs> oh, and, that dragon! And then yeah, and then you step at the wrong place, and next thing you know, the dragon is on your ass, breathing tons of fire, and and you're sure you're going to die. I mean, it really instills that you know in you. So uh, that, that's that's one thing I'll put out there. I mean, it really captures captures the atmosphere. Very few games have actually made me feel like I was a knight or uh, I, I I don't want to use the word hero because usually hero means I'm more powerful than everything around me. I'm going to kick its ass in the name of good. In this game, you really feel like a mortal, <laughs> and you really feel the dangers that are you know the skeletons are dangerous if you let them. Uh, if you get frustrated with the game, it will kick your ass. I think that was something that I saw over and over again with my friends too. Is so you would die, you drop your souls, you got to get back to where you're at before to get your souls again, which you guys can explain more in detail when you get to mechanics. But what was funny was seeing friends get so frustrated with the game that they couldn't even get back to where they were before. Because <laughs> if you get sloppy, even on regular enemies, the game will punish you. Yes. Yes, and indeed. So, uh, so yeah, it, it definitely lived up to the hype. It, <laughs> it, it, I only played it for a few hours, but those few hours were very memorable. Well, and you played that right at launch, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't think the game really punishes you. I think the game just has no sympathy for you whatsoever. Yeah, no sympathy. So it's going to do the same thing to you every time, no matter what. And yes. If you mess up, it yeah, Demon yeah, Souls it, does it, not care. It lets you know. Abs, what was your first experience with it? Did you play it first or second? I played it first. Okay. How did I you find it. out about it, and when? What did you? When did you first play it? Uh, I don't know exactly how I heard about people importing it, but uh, somehow I heard about it and had watched like videos of it and gotten an idea of it. So I pre-ordered it and picked it up right away, and was was not sure what to expect because you know to that point from software uh, wasn't exactly known for making amazing RPGs. No. Uh, does anyone have amazing games in general? Does anyone have fond memories of the Kingsfield series? I don't think so. Mm, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not me. Yeah. So, despite all that, I still pre-ordered it and picked it up. And yeah, um, what, what was your first experience like then? I, we heard <laughs> Phil's, <laughs> and it was very similar to other stories that I've heard. Yeah. Uh, I actually did pretty decently at first. Um, I mean, that first, come on. Yeah. (laughs) That first area, uh, I think I read some tips on how to beat that boss in the first area. So, though it took me a while to kind of get the hang hang of things, I got out of that first area pretty quick. The main meat of the game, and then had really no idea what I was supposed to do next. Uh, and I pretty much struggled from there on. I think, uh, I think I tried to tackle the second area, uh, one uh, was it one two, where you have to fight the giant knight, and that did not go well. Like trying to get there, dealing with a dragon. Ugh. So yeah, it went well at first, and then I died a lot and a lot, and started to get pretty frustrated. And then a few more times. Yeah, and then a few more times after that. Well, my experience probably wasn't that much different um, once you get into it, but 
finding out about the game, I remember hearing one of our forumers, I think it was Megalink back in the day, that used to sing this game's praises, and absolutely, there was somebody on our forums that used to sing this game's praises in the imports. And it just sounded hard, and it sounded like you'd get invaded by other people all the time. And it sounded (laughs) – the descriptions that you hear, that's the worst thing about the Souls games is the descriptions that you hear people talking about make it sound like the most awful thing in existence. Because they kept talking about how hard it was. I hate hard games. They kept talking about how you get invaded by other players and die all the time. And that sounded like the worst thing possible. So I was I had no interest in this game whatsoever. I was like, Demon Soul, screw that. I don't want anything to do with it. And then we went to the Atlas demo that they gave, and me and Adrian were there. And they brought it out and showed us how to play. And then they let Adrian play. And we just kind of, you kind of get to watch this. And this is really a game, and it's hard to really see this kind of stuff these days, but it's the kind of game that the more you see somebody play and kind of learn and understand how they're doing things, you're like, oh, well, I could do this. That that actually, ooh, that makes sense. That that doesn't look as hard as, okay, he died, but that's that's not a big deal. You can get back to that. And, uh, well, if you don't get back to it, you lose your stuff. But, eh, oh, well, you know, what's the big deal? And it just seemed to open my eyes to something that I wanted to try. And Adrian and I both reviewed it at launch. Uh, he finished first and got through, uh, put the first review up, but I seconded it too. And I think it was the first five out of five that I'd ever posted. Well, <laughs> well you certainly haven't given many. That makes it easy to track. No, and I gave the other one to you know another game just that same year and haven't given anything else since other than those. But it, it was such a new and fantastic experience that I just didn't expect. Because, yeah, I'd played Kingsfield, and I had hated Kingsfield. <laughs> I had played it's, it enough. It's bad. Yeah, I, I didn't like the first-person aspect. I didn't like roaming around and not having a clue what was going on or where I was supposed to go and uh, just getting... Keep in mind, our long, I have... Our, our long-time listeners really list, need to listen to what uh, Mr. Mac is saying right now because this is the all. This is as close as you're going to get on the RPG Backtrack to us talking about Kingsfield ever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that, that's good to know. I will never schedule that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, despite the fact I've heard like Kingsfield or the Ancient City is actually pretty good, but I'm not going to go back and play it. So. Um, <laughs> Wasn't that one localized by Atlas? No, no, I don't think so. Um, but regardless, this game really just became something special to me, and I can totally understand people playing it and not liking it. Uh, it was Agitech that localized that one. Okay. So, um, or Askyware? I don't know. It was one of those A names. I can see where you got confused. <laughs> um, I thought it was Agitech, but I can't. I'm not going to Wikipedia that right now because it doesn't really matter. But the, yeah, I had a similar experience to Phil in the first few minutes of it. I got in there. I chose a knight or something like a heavy armored guy with a spear. And I went through the first tutorial area, got to the boss that's supposed to kill you and died, and then went back to the next level. And I just felt like I was too slow and had to get up close to things, and I wasn't really good at dodging or parrying. So I had to rely on blocking, and I could only do that so much. And I was too slow to really care, and I didn't like being up in the middle of everything. So I ended up restarting. And I think I'd barely gotten into, like, the first or second area of Demon's Souls 
and I was like five hours into the game. I had just played it so many times and had died so many times, and I was five hours in, had barely made it to the Tower Knight that you talked about that's in the second part of the first area. And then I restarted as a Royal, which is kind of a lightweight mage. It starts with a distance spell, like the Soul Arrow spell, and a ring that regenerates your magic points. Yep. And it's it's basically easy mode. The Royal is easy mode for Demon Souls, which I say just you know, <laughs> sparingly. Yeah. And I made it back to the Tower Knight in 20 minutes. What took me five hours <laughs> the first time, <laughs> I was able to make it back to in 20 minutes. And that's the best thing I can say about these games, is that you learn as you go along, or you don't learn and you quit. Yeah. So if you can learn what's going on, get a better feel of things, see what you're doing wrong, see how to improve. And I can't count the number of times, with the exception um, of... Uh, Dark Souls 2, I have started... No, even that one. All the Souls games that I've played, I've started as a character, gone back and been like, "Eh, this class sucks, I'm going to just retool and retweak from the start, and have made it back to where I was in a fraction of the time. So, um, that's my starting experience with the game. Uh, Someone actually informed me that the Royal class was the best one to start with beforehand, so maybe maybe that's why I did better. (laughs) I think Atlas had told us that, that if we wanted kind of the easy mode to go with the Royal, but I saw the the knight that had the spear and everything, or the halberd or something like that. I can't remember right off what it was. And I was like, ooh, I want to do that. That looks kind of cool. I'm going to start with that one because I don't want to be a mage. Mages suck. What? Uh, Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That's whoa. what I thought at the time. That's what all I right, thought at the right. time. Um, and I was wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, and, and I hate to just take over from Phil and Mike on this. If you all want to chime in and do anything, feel free. Otherwise, me and Apps can just take over and kind of roll with this. <laughs> um, <laughs> all what? I could do is talk about watching a little bit of it on YouTube. That is not at all the right experience. Oh, yeah. no, no. Let me change that. It is the right experience. I have watched YouTube clips of all of these. It depends on who you watch. I recommend, I highly recommend Lobos Jr. Um, he is fantastic to watch his speed runs of Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, everything. It's fantastic to watch because he'll go through the entire game as fast as possible. You'll see what kind of shortcuts you can take, what kind of tricks that you can maybe do to get around certain areas, how to game the system, how to get around uh, certain enemies that seem impossible certain tricks to find and that's the best part about these games is the structure is so open that you can do things that break the game but it's designed to do that and to see him go through one of these games fighting with a ladle that does like three damage and to beat all of the bosses with just a ladle shows that this game is not necessarily hard but you've got to learn it once you learn and understand what's going on there and it's it's like learning a foreign language. Some people just won't get it. I, I have never been able to learn a foreign language. I can speak a few words of Spanish, and that's about it. But I just don't comprehend the way people can do that. Some people can go and pick up a language like that. I can't. But Demon Souls and the Souls games are like that. For certain people, it can just click, and you can understand how to do that. And that's that's why I say I do actually recommend going and watching some YouTube videos of it. But specific ones, don't just search for, like, Demon Souls gameplay, because you'll probably get somebody who got it at launch <laughs> and watched them die over and over and over again. Um, Which, you know, would be entertaining for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, not to say it's the most boring thing in the world, but you can watch live streams. He's on Twitch, but he has a YouTube channel, but it's Lobos Junior Gaming. Check his 
his uh, streams out and his archive YouTube channel, it it really does help you understand kind of how to do things and just gives you kind of tips and tricks. And sometimes there's glitches that people do, but if you can avoid those and just go for the straight no glitch run, you can see honestly how to play and how to beat these games. Um, yeah. The fact that somebody can go through and beat these games without ever leveling up is just a testament to how varied they are and how diverse these things are. Well, but, I would say that means this falls somewhere closer to the action side of the action art room. Definitely. Uh, but there's no, – go ahead. I'll let you um, – So, I mean, I, I've obviously spent a ton of time with these games, so I've put a lot of thought into that exact question. And it's kind of both – like you can obviously, if you beat bosses with a ladle, uh, you can play it like mostly action based. Um, but uh, there's a lot of there's a lot in there to in on the RPG RPG side of things to make to make things easier. Like you can spend a lot of time leveling, make yourself stronger, make things a little bit easier for you. So it kind of goes both ways. Um, now the souls are also used as currency, right, to buy your equipment. Yes, buy equipment, uh, pay for upgrades for equipment and stuff like that. Yeah, it's your experience points and your currency and what you lose when you die but can get back. Yes. Well, we Let's, should probably explain about that because something tells yeah. me any first-time player is going to die a bit. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to start with is the death system in Demon's yeah. Souls. You want to give that one a whirl, Apps? Sure. So when, when you first start in the game, uh, you're basically – and I, I don't know what the – game term was for it but you're basically like alive and when you die you go into this like soul form where you have lower stats and less life but regardless of which form you are in when you die you lose all your souls but if you can get back to where you died without dying again you can get all those back uh which is not always easy yeah and there's the there's kind of the human mode and the undead mode that's that's what it is uh, actually, Undead is Dark Souls. Well, I don't think it's uh, called Undead in this one. Yeah, I can't remember specifically what it's called, but it's basically that. Yeah. Because you're kind of in your corpse zombie state. Yep. And you can't be invaded in those cases, while you can be invaded in human mode, or in you know, human form. And you can also, in human form, summon other people to help you. And in human form, you can also, you also have higher health. So your health decreases by like a fraction when you're in undead or zombie or whatever mode it is. I can't, you know, I can't remember what it's called either specifically. So that's one key thing to to note about death. And dying is something this game expects you to do. It tries to kill you right off to get you used to it. Death in this game is supposed to be a wing experience, not not a punishment. Yeah, and and I can totally understand why people would get turned off by it because you do die a lot. And if you're under sure. the mentality that you know, death in a video game is the fail state. You can under I can understand being frustrated. But the one I, thing with I remember I read your review. You you explained mm-hmm. this very carefully. Death yep. does not equal game over. That right. is extremely annoying yep. to me nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> and the best thing about this is it's like an ice sculpture that you're chipping away at. Because everything that you do in the game, any shortcuts that you unlock, stay unlocked when you die. Any items that you obtain stay with you. So say there's an item on a ledge and there's a giant dragon past the ledge and you know if you go to that ledge you're going to die. But you still want that item so you make the mad dash, you get the item, you die, and you know what? You lose those souls. They're gone. But you got the item and you can use it. It stays with you. And that's that's the big key with this is yes, you lose your currency 
and your experience points. But if you're wise about what you do with them and don't give up a lot, and you actually go back and spend those to level up, which we should kind of mention, there's the nexus, which is the hub that you start with. And then there's five different stages that you go to, each of them with kind of three sections to them. So the nexus is where you go back to the maiden in black, and you talk to her, and you can level up your stats there. And, you know, you're able to level up your, like your vitality, endurance, intelligence, strength, faith, magic, luck, dexterity, all of those things. And as you put points into that, that increases your soul level overall. So it kind of just boosts you and all these things as you go up. So say you want to make a very strong character, you just pump all your points into strength. Or for me, you know, I was a mage. I was a little royal. So I didn't care about strength didn't care about endurance or, you know, vitality as much as I did magic because I knew if I got hit, I was going to be wearing like light armor anyway, so I was probably going to die. So I didn't want to be in an area where I could die. <laughs> so you wanted to pump it into magic so your magic was strong enough to take things out before they got to you. Well, are there, so, are there any ranged enemies that could put a crimp in that plan? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's always um, enemies shooting arrows from a distance, enemies shooting a lot of times poison arrows and stuff that you'd get hit by from a distance. Yay! But, but you can have you can have any kind of weapon that you want. You can put stats into you know different things like dexterity to boost up your ability to use bows and arrows or lighter weapons. Um, if you didn't want to just be a mage, or if you didn't want to be a strength character that put tons of points into strength, so that you can have swords and you know hammers and clubs and things like that. You could also do the bow and arrow route. You can create your character and build your character any way you want to. And the class choice that you make at the very beginning is kind of not – it's not so much locking you into anything, but it gives you some benefits to start with. Like the royal class starts you off with the items that I said, but you also start at soul level one. It means you're generally weaker, but as you level up, the amount of souls required to go up in soul level kind of increases exponentially as you go along. So if you're starting at level one – as opposed to, say, the Barbarian that starts at level 9, you have 8 extra levels to decide where you want to put your points, and you have fewer points that you have to spend to be able to bump those up. So the class system, being able to customize your character, being able to get new weapons and pump your weapons up, you can upgrade those to level 1, level 2, you know, plus 1, plus 2, so on and so forth. There's a lot of options, and I didn't even do that in Demon Souls. I didn't bump up, I didn't upgrade my weapons at all. Um, I didn't understand the process, didn't need to understand the process. I just got new magic spells, kept bumping my magic up. Oh, excuse me, my magic up, and I was good. I was good to go. Well, the, and each of the weapon types controls very differently, right? Absolutely. Did you do? Have you done this more than once? Have you played Demon Souls a few times with different builds? No. What build did you go through? Did you go through as a royal as well? Yeah, yeah I went through as the royal. I guess we can kind of talk in vague terms about the other souls because they do – it does kind of hold over. Each of those really, as far as the design of the game and how you build your characters and your different weapon types, that kind of stays standard throughout because you can have – you know, like you said, they all play differently. They all handle differently. <clears throat> so um, an axe or a club is going to work a whole lot differently than – like a straight sword or a katana or a spear. And they have different speeds that they move at, different uh, move sets that you use when you, you know, press your button to combo and to attack. And you can have different shields that you use. And that's one of the things a lot of people do in these games, and I did for the longest time, is 
you have your shield up at all times. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Very <around>. important. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I'm scared of what Bloodborne's going to be. <clears throat> be oh. Taking taking the shield away. I'm not uh, ready for no shield. Yeah. I, I'm are there? Uh, well, there are two handed weapons, right? Are those just for the very, very brave? Yeah, <laughs> and I'll admit, until Demon Soul or until Dark Souls Two, I never went two handed on any of the weapons. I never went without a shield. It wasn't until near the end of my Dark Soul, yeah, my Dark Souls Two run, that I decided I was okay learning to dodge and just running around things instead of using a shield at all times. Uh, but yeah, it takes bravery and it takes kind of knowing what's going on because the enemies that you fight will generally give signs as to what they're going to do and how they're going to attack. And they have patterns that they can follow, but they're not, it's not so easy that you just know, well, if I stand here, it's going to attack this or whatever. There, there's some pretty good AI that goes into some of these and some of them are just, you know, they're going to frustrate you. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's really interesting to be able to dig into these and kind of going back to the world structure of this game. Once you start off you kind of start off in world one the boletaria palace and there's three parts to that and boletaria palace uh, or what they call in in this one 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 is kind of what it's referred to is probably what most everybody (laughs) has played that's played this game and i'd I'd say a lot of people didn't make it past one one yeah it's a long stage and kind of giving an idea of what the structure is for those who haven't experienced it is you start off at an archstone which kind of warps you into from the nexus into Boletaria Palace, the the main area. And you have kind of a semi linear path that you're supposed to follow. There's some branching off you can do to get all the way back around. You're basically doing a circle around the palace to get back to the front, flip a switch, and open a gate that kind of acts as a shortcut that gets you into the boss that you can see the boss entrance as soon as you kind of go up the stairs at the start of the stage, but it's the gate is shut and you can't go in. So you have to work all the way around fighting all kinds of enemies. And if you die, you start back at that archstone. You don't, you know, there's no checkpoints through there at this point. You've got to go all the way through it, get to the boss, beat the boss, and then it opens up another checkpoint there. And that begins world one, two. And it kind of goes on from there. You get different, um, um, different enemies that you run into, different items that you can find, and you can repeat these stages if you need to, if you want to grind for items or for herbs to be able to, you know, restore your health and things like that. Um, what was kind of your first experience with Boltaria Palace? Uh, I mean, I, I didn't really have too much trouble with it. Uh, I think there's, there's like some night once you get to like the top, yes, top of the castle that, absolutely destroyed me yeah if you uh, left when you go up the to the top of the castle you're on the ramparts of the castle and you can fight through these knights on on the right side and go along the real path but if you cut left it looks like you know maybe there's some treasure and then you turn the corner and there's this <laughs> red eye knight and you're like oh it's just another knight i'll take this guy down he doesn't look that much Whoops. different face and then about two hits later, and you're dead. <laughs> and then you're like, "Well, okay, maybe I shouldn't have gone that way." I think I think that may have actually been my first death in the game. Uh, yeah, I wish I could say it was my first because I'm <laughs> sure that I fell off on one of the pits going up that first area. I just like you know did a dodge roll right off a cliff into something or into the pit <laughs> and died. Uh, uh, when you're like me and you play hard games and you die a lot. 
kind of breaks you. You either don't want to play anymore or you just stop caring about dying. Undead mode, because when you're in human mode, if you die, you lose your bonuses and go back to undead mode. But if you die in undead mode, yeah, I'm just calling it that just for the sake of not remembering the actual name. If you die in that mode, you don't really lose anything except your your um, gathered up souls. So if you just kind of try to make a beeline through this area and aren't worrying about gathering up souls and just getting items and trying to progress, you have a lot easier time getting through than if you're trying to kill every little thing in your way, trying to get every little minimal amount of souls that you can. And it can get frustrating, but if you just kind of learn to dash through and know where you're going and just trying to get there as fast as possible, that kind of works better for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was kind of interesting going through that whole area and then finally getting to the boss, and then the boss was kind of disappointing. It's a giant blob, and you chuck firebombs at it, which the game kind of leaves for you throughout that stage. Yeah, it's called Phalanx, I believe is the name of that one, right? It's, yeah. it's a big purple blob with kind of other shielded purple blobs around it, and the more that you kind of destroy around it, it gets you to the base of it until the very last one's dead. Um, so yeah, it, it doesn't really do much, except it just hurts you if you get hit by it, because it's kind of spiky and has spears. And yeah, it is pretty easy. It was easy to kind of toss around, so I was feeling pretty awesome. I got there, and I was like, yeah, I beat the boss, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you kind of walk out onto this huge bridge that's leading you across to another big, giant area. And as soon as you walk out there, uh, yeah, nothing good happens. <laughs> <laughs> It, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I can't Bad remember. Bad things happen. Yeah. I don't remember if the dragon attacks right away, <laughs> but there's one stretch through there that a dragon will breathe fire on everything and just kill that whole area. <laughs> yeah. And what's neat is I think you can actually like go and kill the dragon mm-hmm. if you're, but you're unlikely to have the tools necessary to do that. But you can do it, and yeah. then it, he doesn't bother you. And that's kind of the neat thing to mention, too, going back to the Nexus, is you have access to all five worlds from the start. You know, you can go to world 1-1, or 5-1 at any point in time, so you're not required to go through these in any specific order. But there's kind of a, a ramp-up order that it recommends that's for the best to take. Um, like in 2-1, uh, or 1-2, the, the one that you're on now after you beat Phalanx. It's kind of the next place you're supposed to go at this point. But you could just decide, eh, screw this, I'm going to take a different route and dive into, you know, the Tower of Latria or the Shrine of Storms and or the Valley of Defilement and go through any of those and die over and over because you haven't, <laughs> you haven't gotten better, you don't have better weapons. Um, it's possible to beat those without some of this stuff, but it really helps to kind of take them in a specific order because the game helps you gradually grow over time and get better items, and it, it leaves them along that path as you go along. So you'll, you know, maybe find a new a new shield or a new armor set kind of hidden through there. Um, yeah, so it, and also, also if you go to 4-1 too early, we'll get utterly destroyed. Yeah, if you go to any of those too early, it's pretty <laughs> easy to get destroyed. 4-1 is pretty bad. The Shrine of Storms, there's a bunch of skeletons doing cartwheels or, like, uh, somersaults down this staircase <laughs> and they'll just stop and slash you and hack you to death yeah it's that that one's really intimidating <laughs> yeah but you can Ac- test it out. acrobat skeletons is this what i'm hearing yes, yes. yep pretty huh. much 
They're scary. Yeah. It it sounds bad. That's the worst part. I really hate hearing some people talk about this game because they even the people that like this game <laughs> will talk about it in such a way that it sounds awful. They'll be like, oh, yeah, you, you just keep dying, and I just kept throwing myself at this game, and I just kept dying and dying and dying, and oh, it sucks, but I love it. You know, That's not the best way to describe it, and people do yeah. a poor job of selling this game. And it really is it, – it's a game that you can grow on, and you can kind of build on as you grow – and it's great, as long as in this one you don't worry about like world tendency and character tendency, because I never understood that crap. <laughs> yeah, me neither. And I read about it, and I just, just like, what? Yeah, if you really want to know more about that stuff, go to Wikipedia or one of the... There's plenty of Wikipedias specifically for the Souls games. Go to that one and read about it. It'll explain it better, because I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but the cool thing is, sometimes the, the areas will change. Depending on what you do, like in World 1-1, I don't remember if it happens before or after you beat it, but you can, at the very start, you can just kind of dodge off the side and go down the stairs instead of taking the normal path. And you can just kind of walk along this little side area that has a huge cliff you can fall off, and there's some enemies down there that look like they've been killed, a bunch of corpses down there. And you kind of notice that it looks like a, a hangman's area up top. And you're like, hmm, well, what's going on here? And it's, I guess it's kind of an execution ground. And you walk around, and you eventually get to an, uh, kind of a little high-rise, and there's a door. And as soon as you get near that, I think it's either as soon as you get near the door or open the door, there's a, a named NPC character enemy that comes at you, Executioner Meralda. And she'll come out, and she is really hard, she's really fast, has a big axe, and will kill you pretty easily. But it's neat to be able to keep going through and doing that. Because if you can get past her, you can get to some new items. Um, you can get to some new... I think a new weapon possibly drops from her. And it was just it was just a neat little thing. Because the world had a reason for her being there. You could see the, you know, the executioner grounds. And then the woman that was the executioner came out. And was just ready to... You know, ready to take you on. Anybody that was there would be able to take you on and take you out. So it was just a neat little touch that they added, I thought. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of that in the game. There's a lot of little secrets, little uh, areas you can find, treasure and other secrets. It's mm-hmm. just, it's kind of a throwback in that way. And it's yeah. a, game, a game that you want to explore and one that you would actually want to guide for, unlike a lot of games these days that are pretty much straightforward yeah a guide or a wikipedia at all times yeah. not that you have to have it but because if you want to get all the little details it helps you find it yeah if you're somebody yeah. that has all the time in the world to look for this stuff screw the guide you don't need it uh, and it it doesn't even necessarily make the game easier or make it a cakewalk or anything it's just you know yeah kind of points you in the right direction a lot of times yeah and i think i think that's what hangs up a lot of people on this this game and other games in the series is you know they're not they're not player focused you know do this go here do that it's kind of here you go here's this world good luck yeah and that's well, I've, exactly I've heard what it, it I've heard this series compared far more to the the stereotypical view of western RPGs than Japanese RPGs does that seem fair in any way um, eh, closer but even still it's not as not as much of those yeah um yeah it's not near as much as 
it's open world and it's you know third person and it's not very story focused or very you know completely linear so it does have those kind of things but it's really kind of its own own subgenre within the RPG area and that's what kind of makes it stand out and makes it impressive it does its completely own thing in what's going on. I, I'd say as far as open world goes, it'd be better con- to compare it to like the uh, Castlevania games and Metroid than it would be to compare it to something like Skyrim, because it's not that kind of open world. Yeah, it, it's almost like those games combined with Zelda even at times, because some people have said that these the Souls games are like a 3D Zelda of their and I can see that it you know it does remind me more of a Castlevania or a, a Metroid where you're unlocking this to get to that, combined with Zelda where you've got the you know third person setup and getting new items and all of the fun stuff that you can go through there. So it it really is kind of its own unique take, and that's what kind of stood out about this game. Well, some of the things you've said did remind me a little of the Castlevania games that we've covered, none of which are 3D, <laughs> but you know that's, yeah, that's fine. I'll, Almost every 2D Castlevania has something for, to offer. Yeah I, th- yeah, I think that's the thing that drew a lot of people to this game was there wasn't anything like this to that point. You know, you had the Castlevania games, but none of Those the 3D, 2D Castle- and, yeah, none of the 3D and Castlevania almost games. Almost all of them are on handhelds now. Yeah, that's true. Yep. So uh, it filled a niche that needed filling, really. Yeah, that we didn't even know needed filling, but did. Yeah, yeah well, I, I mean... There was the Metroid Prime games, but that's about the only thing did this this sort of game. Yeah. The biggest thing that really stands out about these games is the level design, how unique they are for being oh, yeah. able to get through different areas. Kind of like I said, it's it's challenging to a point, but if you make it to this this area, it doesn't have a checkpoint system, but it has shortcuts that it unlocks that you're like, oh, I hit this switch finally. This will be open from here on out. I don't have to worry about anything or worry about ever going through that part again. That, so it's just that, that, that also reminds success. Me of, that also reminds me of certain Castlevanias where once you kill the boss, then you draw, drop the drawbridge or smash down the wall or something and forever have a shortcut. Yeah. It's got very similar things as far as that goes, and the boss designs of the Souls games, especially Demon Souls, just kind of stood out to me as my first one of these as being, you know, huge and challenging bosses. And some are more challenging than others. Mm-hmm. Like we said, the first one you meet the phalanx, uh, the phalanx is kind of a, you know, a letdown in that area. I kind of was let down by most of the bosses. Well, to be honest. Are, in retrospect, or at the first your first time through? First time through, yeah. What let you down about them? Were there any that were kind of like really sad and pathetic? Uh, yeah. Uh, think so. And one was, I guess, just because of the class I was using. But there's uh, like a giant slime you fight in a swamp, but you start up on this ledge. Yeah. And if you have magic, you can kind of sit up there and fire magic till it dies. Was that one? The boss of one was. An interesting design. It's like this weird monster with a giant bird on its head, uh, but you can kind of move too slow, so you can, it was oh, really the easy. Yep. And then there was like a some sort of. <laughs> I think that's the funniest description I've heard of the educator is this weird giant... thing, with a bird on its head. <laughs> what it is is a you're on the top level. When you go into the boss of four one, which is the Shrine of Storms, you yeah. walk into this area and you're on this top. Uh, kind of balcony around this thing. And you you see it is below you, probably three stories below you. But you're looking at its head, and it has a giant tongue, and it does have a bird on its head. And if you look down, you see it has an axe 
embedded in the side of its stomach. And, you know, it, it's weak to magic, so that is probably why the Royal has didn't have a really hard time with it. But as soon as you kind of get out there, he'll lash at his tongue and start destroying the floor, and you're going to fall down. <laughs> you may land on him. You may die from that. Uh, you don't know specifically what's going to happen. But, you know, he has tales that kind of go on. And it wasn't so much that the bosses I thought were challenging. I just thought they were uniquely designed and kind of looked interesting. I had never sure. played anything like that. I think the I think the only boss that really made me like agitated was there's this giant like uh, uh, heck was it? It's this giant yeah, flying giant thing. something doesn't giant flying well. thing. Are you talking about the? The boss of it's like a form. giant flying devil ray. Yes, and yeah. You, ha- you have to get the like Storm this. King. You have to get this sword to shoot at it because you can't really. It, it like never comes to the ground or anything. And that mm-hmm. one really, really annoyed me. Oh, I love that fight. <laughs> <laughs> See, of course. Here we, <laughs> here we go. It took a while, but we have reached the- wheels and storm fighting it out again. That's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> um, I, no, it, you've gone through this whole tower. This whole shrine, you started off, you know, with the the dancing skeletons doing their acrobatics. You work your way into the shrine. You fight your way through the shrine. You go through these catacombs. You dig through this, you know, the tunnels under the catacombs. Then you finally come out into this wide open area. And there's a bunch of giant stingrays flying around in the air. And they're shooting their spikes and their stuff at you. And then you see... You know, I say giant stingrays because they're flying through the air and they're huge. And then you see one that takes up the entire sky. You see this gigantic thing taking up the entire sky. And you're like, holy crap, I've got to fight that thing. How is this going to (laughs) work? And it it was kind of easy because all you have to do is run across the stage, be able to shoot some of the other ones out of the sky and get to this giant sword that you're supposed to do a special attack. And boom, it's dead in, you know, like one hit. But, oh, it was just awesome to be able to dodge through there and do that stuff. Oh, I loved it. I just prefer the bosses where you have to actually use your the weapons you have and your skill. Like, I think my favorite boss in the game is the Flame Lurker. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's my least favorite boss. <laughs> I hated Flame Lurker. <laughs> um, all right, just, you know. I think and that thing so, me many. What about Flame Lurker? Flame elemental thing, and you really—it was just a really challenging fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had to dodge a lot, just kind of move around. I just—I just love that fight. Yeah, and that's the thing—is it? It offers so much variety in what you have going for. And I don't want to spend the whole time talking about every single stage, but it's hard to really go through this without kind of talking about each of them. Yeah. You know, the Phalanx is the first boss you fight, and typically you'll go fight the Tower Knight next which you walk into this giant arena and there's this gigantic knight and you're staring at its foot. <laughs> like you come eye level to its ankle. <laughs> so what you shooting arrows at you, you've got knights on the ramparts defending the archers and you have this giant knight that's trying to kill you at the same time. So what do you do? You know, what are your options at that point? Do you try to, you know, take its feet out from under it? Uh, it's got a huge spear and a huge shield. You know, what the heck are you going to do with this giant thing? Do you well, attack the heel? Does it have an Achilles heel? Believe it or not, yeah, you can yeah, do that. Yeah, it does. Okay. Um, That'll yeah, knock it down, then you can wail away at it. Um, but you've got to be good enough to dodge its attacks while it's, you know, swinging at you and you're that close to it, which can kind of be hard to see because, you know, if you were fighting a giant 
it it kind of be hard to tell exactly what it's doing, and you've got to watch the the people that are around you shooting arrows. So what I did, you know, I dodge past the guy right away, go up the stairs, fight the knights, take the archers out, and then I could, you know, kind of attack him from above with magic. And it was, you know, that was one way to do it. And then, like, in World 2-1 that you go through, I don't remember as much. I don't like Stonefang Tunnel near as much. It's uh, neither do I. It's, yeah. it's long, and it's a pain. And it has Flame Lurker in it, and <laughs> that's why I don't like it. Um, but no, the first well, boss... Flame Lurker isn't 2-2. Yeah, that's what I meant. I, I just meant the world, world two. Oh, okay. Sorry. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I don't like world two really much at all. But like you said, world one, two, one, the start of the tunnel, you go through and you you drop down into this corridor, and there's a giant spider with armor on it at the end, <laughs> and you're like, holy crap! Um, and it was pretty easy too, especially with the like soul arrows. Yeah. But well, still, I was, lo- I was lucky enough. I was lucky enough to be co-oping that stage, and that thing went down really easy. We uh, we hadn't even talked about the co-op aspect of it. Yeah, I think Flame Lurker and the final boss are the only ones I did co-op and actually succeeded on. Uh, I tried co-oping a few others and ended up losing, so I finally beat them on my own. But Flame Lurker and Final Boss were the only two I really had a hard time with. Uh, okay, co-op. Uh, does that still function? I seem to remember the server being. Were you saying something? Like, yeah, you just brought up co-op. Does, is that yeah. still functioning? For now, yes. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they've got their uh, they've got the servers up. I think they've said they're keeping them up as long as they can, as long as it's still doing well. Atlas was going to take them down, and then they said, you know what, we'll just keep them up indefinitely as long as we can. Yeah. They kept what? threatening that for a while, and the game just kept selling. <laughs> yeah, which is just cool. Would uh, would would the game still run if there was no servers? It would. You wouldn't be able to see messages from other people, which is part of the co-op experience. You wouldn't be able to summon other people into your game, which helps make bosses easier. You wouldn't be able to be summoned into other people's game, which helps you turn into human form and get another attempt at those bosses. And the world tendency, which is kind of the weird thing we don't totally understand, (laughs) would no longer function. So you would have kind of a bare bones experience but you would still be able to play the game i hope i i don't under i don't think you'd totally be shut out because it would be just like playing offline yeah the game the game does let you play offline yeah yeah it wouldn't be as cool you wouldn't be able to invade people which i did a bunch of times never done any invasions yeah Ah, so we have an invader on this cast (laughs) just in demon souls i didn't really do that in dark souls uh because uh, death, the uh, you know the whole like undead mode in Dark Souls isn't as bad a penalty as it is in this game because yeah. of the huge health loss and everything. So I never really had an incentive to do invasions and the other. But here it's like you know if you can get lucky and kill someone, getting that human form back is a big deal. Yeah. Mm. So you know it, it's hard to go through without talking about all the bosses and yeah. I, you want, that's, you, they're you kind want of to talk key. about some more of the bosses. Absolutely. I know we've kind of touched on most of the ones from 1-1. I'm kind of going through it in the way I played the game. So World 2 had Flame Lurker that you had to make your way down to. And now, did, you, did you ever get to Flame Lurker, like actually going through the stage, or did you ever, did you always did just drop down the stage? The yeah. drop-down shortcut, yeah. yeah. Um, and was it Flame Lurker or the spider that you'd actually drop down those, um, it the was entire... Okay, so it was Flame Lurker. Yeah, because yeah. it was from the spider's archstone. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's the be- that's another great thing. It's this whole stage area two two. You can either go through these long winding tunnels that take you down and down and down, and you have to fight tons of enemies to do that, or you can go off to the side, fight a couple enemies, or just even dodge past them. And then learn how to fall. And you do take fall damage, but if you fall just the right amount, um, you'll end up landing on these areas where you won't lose enough to die. And you can keep falling down just these perfectly timed little spots. And eventually you'll land at the very bottom, and you'll have skipped the entire stage. If you do a roll or something like that, can you alleviate the fall damage even more? Yeah, but still at certain points, it doesn't help that much. (laughs) And you may mess that up easier. Yeah, and you also run the risk of like rolling off the edge of something, <laughs> which, which would then kill you. So a lot of times what you would really do is you'd get to the edge, just kind of edge forward, look down, see, okay, I'm lined up, and just kind of tap the arrow and land on this perfectly lined up uh, corridor, or this perfectly lined up plank. <laughs> and then you'd do that again. And sometimes you would have to, you know, on some of these, you would maybe have to roll or dodge just right, but... That's the only way I ever went through 2-2 to get to Flameworker is just the perfectly timed falls and recovering your health at the right amount so that you didn't take fall damage and die from one that you didn't step on. <laughs> but yeah, Flameworker was a beast. It's just this huge monster with flames, and it's, I hated Flameworker. <laughs> yeah, he hits hard, moves pretty fast, and you don't, you don't really get a break in that fight. No. Like, you always have to be dodging. Uh, going away quick to heal, you, you just have to always be on the move so that it can be really intense. Yeah. Which is why I liked it. Exactly. But if you're lucky enough to beat him, th- that's the cool thing, is the next area, like 3-2, or, sorry, 2-3, the final area, is really pretty much non-existent. There's no world to go through. You just walk straight up this path, and then you start the next boss, which is Dragon God. And it's it's a huge dragon, I think, I don't know, was it the, the trailer or the intro that kind of shows off Dragon God? I can't remember right off, but it's one of the ones you see in most of kind of the propaganda for this game. Is this huge, giant, fire-breathing beast of a dragon. And it looks really cool. Yeah. but I would this, hope so with a name like Dragon God. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, you don't actually fight it. No. Uh, you're, in this, <laughs> you're in this huge area, and it can breathe fire, and you're trying to dodge in these safe zones... And, you know, break your way through and kind of get to the next areas to where you don't get killed by his fire breath. And you get to, um, I guess, what is it? A ballista? A ballista. Yeah, you get to a ballista and you launch that one and it, it hits him. Then you've got to work your way safely over to the other side of the stage and hit the other ballista without dying or getting hit by him. And then finally, it, you know, getting those two ballistas kind of drags him down and you can get in for the final blow to kill him. And, you know, then you're done with that whole world. You're done with Stonefang Tunnel. Never have to go back if you don't want to. Um, Which I didn't, because I place yeah. is annoying. <laughs> um, we can kind of breeze through World 3, though. The Tower of Latria, I think, is the best stage in this game. Oh, it's, yeah. It's oh, the yeah. one, when we went to demo it, this is the stage that they started us on, that they showed me and Adrian and let him kind of go through. And it was hilarious to watch us die by these mind flayers. <laughs> yeah. Um, those things are evil. You start off in, it's like a prison. The Tower of Latria starts you off in a prison cell, and there's guards that walk around. They're mind flayers, and they have a bell that they ring. And when you hear that bell ring, it alerts the Run. other guards. 
getting ready to shoot these magic missiles at you, soul rays, and you're going to die <laughs> if you're not careful. So it takes a while to kind of build up to being powerful enough to take them out or to be skilled enough to know how to dodge and how to get around them. But, oh, man, Tower of Latria scares the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah that, and that's that another area thing. is almost like a survival horror. Yeah. And that's thing. the other thing about these games is the music is only on the bosses. You don't have yep. music really any other time. But am I remembering correctly? In Tower of Latria, you're hearing the singing. You can I think at some singing. point you do, yeah. Start hearing singing off in the distance. It's not you know, music for the stage, but you can hear singing. You're like, well, that ain't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of singing? Like a cult chanting or no, something it's else? It's like a lady's voice, just kind of, oh, you know, it's just really kind of melodic and eerie. <laughs> I think eerie is the best description I can give. Yeah. Eerie is a good description for that entire stage. But you've got to work your way through this one. It, it really is a puzzle because you work your way through multiple levels of the stage. You happen to find some prison cells that are locked, some that are unlocked. And you find some that are locked that you have to come back with with a key later that you just maybe find or maybe don't. And you can get different items in there or not. Or you'll find one that's unlocked that a wall has been blasted open. And that's how you get to the next area. And it, it really is more like a puzzle. That's This stage kind of reminds me more of a Zelda game than anything else. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, you're working your way through new areas. And again, there's no um, there's no checkpoint. So if you die, you start right back at the beginning. But you still have the keys. So if you've unlocked all these areas and you've found the keys for them, you know, it's kind of like instant shortcuts that are available. But you eventually work your way through and you get out of the out of prison itself. And then meet some more nasty surprises. Yeah, I'll let you kind of talk. I feel like I've been blabbing too much. What happens when you go out of this? <laughs> I'm try, actually trying to remember what you run into. You kind of get in that open area. Um, yeah. There's a couple I, places you can go, and there's one where there's all the ballista that are firing down. Yeah. tempted to run down because there's tons of items that you can get. And you're like, uh, well, there's like 50 ballista, you know, things shooting my way. Do I really need those items? I'm going to try. And then you do it and die. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh yeah, going through that first area really finally opens up towards the end. And you're in, I know we're skipping over a lot and kind of go through a whole lot of things, but eventually you'll get to just this open core that you've got to run down. And it looks like you're heading into a, a church or a chapel. Don't you run into a black phantom there? Ooh, maybe you? it's maybe it's called something else and. Demon Souls. Uh, that part I don't remember. It sounds familiar. Yeah, I think you have to fight something before you get into the church. Some kind of phantom. Yeah, I don't think it was a named phantom. I th- there may be just like a black phantom there, which are just yeah. enemies that don't respawn when you kill them. Um, at least most of them don't, do they? I don't think so. I know a lot of the name ones don't, but the others I don't think do either. I think this was just a random black phantom that you run into. Uh, some of them are named, some aren't. And then you break into, you finally get into the church, and apparently that's what where all the singing has been coming from, and you kind of hear it get louder as you get towards this place, and you fight Fool's Idol. And it's kind of a lady floating around an area, holding a, I don't know, it's a book or a hymnal <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just kind of freaky, because you have, uh, and I'm going off my memory from 2009. It's been that long since I played this, but it's still stuck in my mind that good. That's why I really 
have a lot <laughs> to to like about these games. Yeah, the the amount of detail that you're coming up with four and a half years later, I think, a testament to how memorable you found this. Oh, yeah, I'm, I mean, we're not even remembering everything. And yeah. That's, that's just how detailed each of these stages are. And I would lie if I said it was because it was just memorable, but it's because it's memorable, and I played them over and over and over yeah. <laughs> to get through them <laughs> to where it kind of ingrains on your mind whether you want it to or not. But yeah, Fool's Idol was really... I think kind of an easier boss for especially, me. Especially if you have magic. Yeah. Were there other enemies around her? I'm trying to remember if she had other... Um, I think there are. Yeah, because that's kind of a, a pattern with some of these Souls games, is anytime you go into church, there are other enemies around that are kind of acting as worshippers, and you have to fight them around the boss, too. So, um, But yeah, she was easy. You take her down, and then you're in the next area of... The Tower of Latria, which I can't remember what it is specifically called. But there's a couple of towers that you have to go up. And again, it's more more puzzle-based than anything else because you've got to get to the top of these two towers. And is it? are you dropping the bells? Is that exactly kind of... Yeah, first you kind of have to wind your way down into the swamp area at the bottom of these yeah. towers. Yes, yes. Like, so, there, so there's multiple towers in this area, but you can't get to one you need to right away, so you kind of have to go down into this swamp and find a way up from there. And then eventually you can open up some shortcuts so you don't have to go down in there, which is good because there are scary giant insects down there. Yeah. And the best thing about it, we've kind of mentioned the NPCs that you run into that are enemies, but you also run into character NPCs throughout some of these stages too. And you have the choice of whether or not you want to interact with them, how you're going to deal with them. Uh, you know, are you going to kill these people? Or are you going to, you know, do anything for them? And in this case, you run into um, like a guy in a cage. And you're like, huh? You know, what's this guy doing here? Do you want to let him out, or do you not? You know, and what happens if you do? You know, is it a good thing, a bad thing? You know, what what's going on here? And you don't really know. The game doesn't tell you any of this. So when you run into this one guy, um, if you let him out. He goes back to the Nexus. These NPCs sometimes that you rescue go back to the Nexus. Um, did you deal with Yurt in your playthrough? Yes, I did. <laughs> what did he do in yours? Did you take him out right away? Were you using a guide or anything? I you knew what I, he was going to do? I noticed in a guide uh, about what he was going to do, thankfully. Okay. Uh, before he killed anyone. <laughs> so, yeah, Yurt was locked up. He is an assassin. And if you let him go back to the Nexus, the NPCs that you have back at the Nexus, which will sell you items, magic spells, you can trade. When you beat bosses, you get their soul, which you can either use to buy special magic, special magic spells or special weapons, or you can cash them in for a bunch of souls if you don't like what they're going to give you as far as selling goes. But there's NPCs in the Nexus that you have to interact with to do these things and to get these things. Well, you send Yurt back there, he starts killing your NPCs. <laughs> he is an assassin, and he will kill them. <laughs> and so, they do not respond. Yeah, there's no respawning. You've lost them forever in your game until you restart. <laughs> so, Or until you do like New Game Plus or something. So, you know, it, it's just a neat little twist. You think, oh, you know, it's an NPC I rescue. He'll go back to the to the Nexus, and maybe I'll be able to buy some cool armor off of him. Nope, Peter starts killing the guys, and you don't yep. know what it's. You don't know what's going on. <laughs> you don't know that he's doing it. That's the that's the scary part. Um, 
you're like, where did this guy go? Or what happened to him? Uh, I think we have just received a tip that anyone who is about to play this game might want to load something. Uh, yes. Yeah. Please. When you're in World 3-2, Tower of Latria, kill Yurt. <laughs> He's hard. He's not an easy one to take out. But kill him. <laughs> yes. He's a yeah. jerk. But you don't have to. That's the other thing, too, is you can actually use him as... Uh, isn't it a, kind of a quest you can do on your own if you if you wanted to, that you can kind of help him? Or is it Mesistopheles that is the person that he's working for uh, that you're allowed remember. to do other missions for, too? Yeah, there's, there's something like details. that. There's, there's so many different things in here. It's, it's hard to really remember all of it. But there's certain d- different things you can do with Mesistopheles and Yurt and all of those. Um, but yeah, yeah. Sorry, go back. You can finish up kind of where we were at in the in the swamp and the towers of three two. Yeah. So eventually, you get to the top of another tower and you fight the man eater, which is basically a gargoyle. And you know, it's he's a relatively challenging flying enemy. It's kind of a dark area, so it can be tough to see where he yeah. is if he flies off. Yeah, and there's. Two, there's an edge on each side where if you fall off, you're falling off the stage and you die. Yeah. So you're just—it's kind of this bridge that you can't go off of. So, so you're fighting this boss. You know, you think you're doing well, and then all of a sudden, there's two of them. Yeah. Halfway through the fight. <laughs> yeah, you get him down to about half half health, and you're like, okay, this guy's not too bad. And then you see another health bar with another name show up underneath you, and you're like, what? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! I'm gonna die, um, and you probably will. <laughs> yeah, you you pretty much do because Maneater is an absolute nightmare. Yeah, and, and it's they repeat this boss in other Souls games to the point of where you really kind of just expect it. Yeah, so, it's it's like an ongoing joke at this point. <laughs> yeah, because in Dark Souls, you get in there and you're fighting a gargoyle, the you know like. Killing it, and the next thing you know, here comes the second one. You're like, oh, it's Maneater again, and then Dark Souls 2 ramps it up even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was really cool, and the one in Dark Souls 2, Yeah. A bunch yeah. of them. So soon <laughs> enough, we should hear a report on what Bloodborne does, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, hoping to find out there's like 16 gargoyles or something on one of these. <laughs> Please this time you have no shield. Yeah, oh God. please let it be optional. See, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, Maneater's the next one that you fight. And once you're done with Maneater, you know, unlike the last stage that you went through, you know, you went to the next boss and you were done with him right away. Um, but that's not the case here. Uh, you actually have to continue on up. Uh, you continue. It's a lot longer for this one, isn't it? Am I remembering correctly? It's just a big stairway, which I would describe as the most annoying stairway in the history of RPGs. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess the I'm... most annoying. Are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty annoying. And I was trying to remember if it was that part. I guess I'm forgetting the the ramp up to Maneater is longer than I thought, and I thought it it's, was. Yeah, it's pretty long. But yeah, oh god, and that's the thing is, it's so these stages are so long. That's why it's so challenging. Is you one misstep, one death, boom, you're starting it all over. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the next part that you go through, really long staircase. There's uh, the more top. more of the mind flares, and I think there's like a uh, phantom version of one of the mind flares. It's really yeah. tough because you're going up this circular staircase, and the mind flares are there, and they're shooting their soul ray at you, and 
you know, it's hard to dodge because <laughs> you have nowhere to go. Yeah. Nothing to hide behind. You have to just go down the stairs and kind of get them right after they shoot. Or, you know, it, it's hard. And the red phantom one is even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you get to the top and you fight kind of an – it was an easy boss for me, but it's kind of neat the way it does things. Yeah. Even I've never had this actually happen for me. You fight Old Monk. And Old Monk has this weird little spiral-looking hat, and it's just this crazy wild hat. <laughs> and the boss itself is not wasn't very memorable for me, but apparently what can happen is if you're walking through this area, you can be summoned in to become the boss. Did you ever have this happen for you? Yeah, what you actually have to do is you have to invade from okay. that yeah. area, I think, and then you become yeah, the boss. Happened to you. What yeah. happened to you? Because it didn't happen to me, so kind of. I actually did this a bunch of times. I'm not okay. sure how successful I was, but yeah, I did this a bunch of times. It's really cool because you're a, you're the boss and a player on player boss fight. And I've also had this happen to me the other way. And a player on player boss fight is a lot harder than just fighting the regular old old monk. Yeah, I fought him normally, and it was kind of a piece of cake. He's just in this open kind of round room with a bunch of chairs, <laughs> and you can smash the chairs by dodge rolling around and get through him. But, yeah, it's it's just kind of cool to think that they've taken the whole co-op summoning system that they use and incorporate it into a boss fight that way to where you can become the boss. Yeah. Which is, it's neater in concept because I didn't actually have it happen. <laughs> <laughs> but still. Still kind of cool. Yeah. Knowing that it could happen is pretty interesting by itself. Yeah, exactly. Um, in the next area, we kind of talked about already the Shrine of Storms, 4-1 and 1-2 and 3. 4-1 uh, the one with the skeletons that, you know, acrobat down the stairs. And we already even talked about the, the Adjudicator, or the Adjudicator, I believe is what his name is, right? Yeah. Adjudicator. And he's really ugly and... He is really easy to beat. It's harder to get to him than it is to beat him, I found. But the next area was one of the hardest parts for me. It was 4-2. Yeah, me too. I had a hard time getting through there because once you're in the Shrine of Storms, you end up going into the kind of the crypts beneath. And there are some enemies down there that are just a pain to fight. Uh, I think they're called Reapers or something like that. They're... um, they look like the Grim Reaper. They've yep. got a big scythe, and um, I'm remembering, can they use magic as well? I think they can use yes, like they a can. ray or something like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, they can be an absolute pain, and you've got to get through that crypt area. And then once you get the crypt, you're kind of walking along the edge of a cliff, this really, really narrow cliff, where you can, you know, one little misstep and you fall off the edge and you die. But... There's skeletons again, and they're more powerful skeletons, if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. Um, And, oh, yeah, it can be a pain to get through because there's no real way to get around them. They've got big weapons, and you've just got to patiently get your way through there. Or they'll knock you off the cliff, or you'll flip off a cliff trying to dodge around them and die. But wait, it gets better, because once you get through that area, you start down the tunnels underneath the catacombs, uh, and bunch of twists and turns and hard to see drops and enemies that appear and disappear mm-hmm. oh yeah this whole area was just a nightmare i can't remember what those other enemies were even called but there's some enemies that appear and disappear they're kind of invisible to see yeah, there's some kind of some kind of phantom thing yeah 
They are just, they're a pain. Let's call them phantom jerks, because that's what they were. (laughs) Yeah, they are a phantom menace. Uh, Oh, (laughs) did you have to go there? Yeah, (laughs) because they're as bad as that. That's how bad they are. (laughs) Wow. Exactly. Okay. Um, But when you finally make your way through it, assuming you can get through there and get through all of the other craziness of the stage, you get to, is it, what is this guy's name? I never can remember. old hero. Old hero. Okay. It's a blind boss. The boss cannot see you, but the boss can hear you if you're moving. So mm-hmm. if you if you don't move, the boss will just kind of, you know, make wild attacks, um, smash around. It's this huge, hulking beast, uh, not beast, humanoid um, boss, you but know, he's blind and cannot see you. I, I haven't thought about Ninja in years much. This reminds me of an enemy in Ninja Scroll. Oh, but it, it's neat. You've got a bunch of places you can hide. But he's pretty, pretty easy with magic. Wait, wait, so, wait. I don't know if you've played this. But wasn't there a boss kind of like similar to this in Resident Evil 4? Is that yes. a... Okay. Yes. Yes. I actually have played Resident Evil. Yes. Okay. I just, I haven't played that, but a friend told me something about it. So this, this rang a bell. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, old hero, he's kind of a neat boss. It's a neat concept that you go through. And then when you finish with him, that's when you go outside to the Storm King. And that's the one we talked about earlier that I really liked, the giant stingray in the sky (laughs) that Wills didn't like. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it looks cool. That's reestablishing the equilibrium that is supposed to be. Yes. Yes. It looked cool, but I I did not like that boss fight. Yeah. Yin and Yang are in harmony. So. So we've made it through most. We've made it through all of World Two, half of World One, all of World Three, and now all of World Four. And now we're in the place that nobody likes. Do you Oops. like Valley of Defilement? Of course not. Okay, <laughs> nobody likes Valley of Defilement. It is a poisonous swamp that Yay! is just an absolute. It's a sludge. I mean, it, yeah. it's awful. <laughs> so does it just constantly drain your life when you're going through the swamp areas? Yes, it drains yeah. you. As you're going through there, you've got to have health bars to keep you healed. If you're in there, and I'm trying to remember this too, it's blurring between the Souls games. I can't remember if you're poisoned right away or if you just lose life right away and you get poisoned eventually. I think you get poisoned eventually, maybe. I think so. Wrong on that. It's it's been a while. (laughs) Like what said, it is kind of scary that we're going off of memory in 2009 on all of this. I think you do do get poisoned, but unlike Dark Souls, there's no, like, meter to tell you how close you are to getting poisoned or anything like that. It just kind of eventually happens. So you're trying to get through there using your stamina. And that's the thing is you can run. You have a health bar and a stamina bar. Your stamina bar decreases as you run and as you use attacks. So you can only use so many attacks before your stamina bar empties. If it hits zero, it slowly builds up. If you, you know, if you empty your stamina bar almost to zero and then rest, it goes up quicker. So it kind of gives you a little bit extra strategy to go through as far as what you can do um, and how you want to do your attacks, how you want to run. But this whole area, um, yeah. I have a hard time even talking about this. So let's just skip over most of it. Unless you have anything that stands you- out. Uh, there's a few things. I mean, for starters, if you ever he- hear me saying that really like this game or say a lot of mean things about this game, I'm probably thinking about Valley of Defilement. <laughs> uh, the, the first area isn't too bad because it's mostly like going through weaving platforms and you don't have to deal with the swamp as much. But the second area, you pretty much have to trek through the swamp and it is 
Oh, uh, yeah. You, you kind of don't really know exactly where to go, and it's just annoying as all heck. Yeah, I think that's the thing, is I had... Five one is so easy to get through yeah. and easy to beat that I forgot all about it because five two is so awful. <laughs> yeah, five one is super easy. The boss is super easy. You can even do five one like right after you do two one. It's that easy. Yeah, not two one. I mean one. Right after you do one one, you could probably do five one. Yeah, uh, and five two is just annoying. There's these giant like trolls that hit really hard. Probably can't even block their attacks. Uh, so you may like make your way through this swamp, be losing life from poison, and have to try and kill these giant trolls and also these smaller goblin things as well. It's just oh, annoying. And the mosquitoes. And They're... the mosquitoes. Uh, okay, are these are these ordinary mosquitoes or are they like sci-fi original movie mosquitoes that are, are the size of birds? They are giant sci-fi mosquitoes that spray Yay. poison and can blood suck you. Ah, they, yes, okay. They're easy to defeat if you can hit them. They don't take a whole lot of damage. It doesn't take a whole lot of damage to take them out, but they're just a pain to deal with, and if they catch you off guard or you don't see them, um, they can do a lot of bad things to you before you realize it. You really need to take a lot of resources into this this area, which is annoying. You need lots of heals, lots of poison removal, and I, I just got so frustrated with this area that it got to the point where I would back up my save with all my resources to PS Plus, the cloud save, and then after failing horribly, I would copy the save back down to get all my resources wow. back. I hadn't even thought of doing that. I didn't even think it could do that so yeah it's it's the save for the game is kind of restricted so you can't like save it the usb device or anything like that but you can like and i think you can only do it once a day save it well like you could save it more than once a day online but you can only like download the backup once a day online okay it must be something with restricted saves we do that once a day but gotcha. yeah, that was that was pretty convenient. Otherwise, I may never have been in this game because five two is just annoying. Yep, and I think I think it's the only area in this game that I would describe as not not greatly designed. Right. Well, okay. Um, you said that the boss of five one was really really easy. What were the bosses of the other parts of five like? Uh, five one. We'll just kind of tell its boss real quick. It's um, it's the giant leech thing that you were talking about earlier. That's really yep. easy to take down. And if you have fire, uh, I mean that thing really does go down in about a second. <laughs> yeah, you can get uh, the, some of the spells you can get. And I, I'll sorry, I'll shut up after this. But some of the uh, flame spells you can get, like firestorm. It's just you go out there in the middle of something, you cast your magic spell, and just this huge area of effect of fire goes off around you, and it's awesome. <laughs> yep. It takes that thing out in a second. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Um, it's all right. And then the boss of 5-2 is the Dirty Colossus, which is like a mass of bugs in the shape of a Colossus thing. Yeah. Uh, which is super easy if you have magic, because it's kind of slow-moving, and you can just stay away. Yeah, I think. It, what if you try and use melee to kill them? <laughs> I think it's harder. Yeah, I would imagine yes. Yeah, magic is especially the royal is really easy mode in this game because so many things are weak to like soul arrows and flame, you know, firestorm, anything like that. And yeah. I think Dirty Colossus is just as easy to beat with fire. Yeah, as, absolutely. As and we say easy mode, but keep in mind that it's still not easy. <laughs> Yeah, keep them, keep that in mind. When you can Easy go in by and, demon soul standards, right? Yes, yes. When, when you can go in and beat a boss on in one try, 
without any kind of trial and error, that's that's easy mode. Yeah. So five three or the whole area of Valley of Defilement is kind of like stage hard, boss easy until you get to five three. And I had the hardest time the boss of five three. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the boss was really cool, but it's a pain. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you take the maiden if you'd like. You can kind of yeah. talk about her. So the boss actually doesn't really do it. So it's kind of like this, some sort of weird maiden mm-hmm. uh, who you have to get to and kill, uh, who is guarded, I think. Garl uh, Vinland. Yes. I was, I was trying to remember if there's more than one. Nope. Just uh, one. Me and him just, headed it out way too many times. Yeah. Just this one super powerful knight. Yeah, he's her protector. Yeah. The protector and I'm looking at the picture now, and now it's all coming back. <laughs> yeah, he's the guard of Maiden Astrea. Yeah, and there's he's... beautiful music to the stage. I love yeah. love her boss music. And um, he's got he's got like this giant, enormous mace that looks like it should be wielded two-handed that he wields one-handed. Mm-hmm. You've got the hardest little areas to get around. He has such yeah. strong defense. And for for whatever reason, he's just hard to beat with magic. I had the hardest time getting to him and fighting him with magic. Um, I don't know why he didn't like to go down, <laughs> but he just, he was just so hard. Um, and can he? Is he one that can heal? Can he heal himself? I think so. Yeah, because I think he's the humanoids. They can actually use your. And we didn't even talk about Estus flasks or anything like that. Do you even have? Yeah. You don't have Estus flasks in this one. No, um, you just have to buy potions. Yeah, you have your potions and your herbs in here, but only the humans can really heal themselves in this game. So you can tell he's he's still human. He hasn't gone hollow. Hollow! Yeah. That's what it is. Hollow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's only like two hours in that we remember that it's called <laughs> being hollow. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, I guess we could have looked it up, but it's more. it feels more liberating to remember it this way. Yes, yeah. exactly. So yeah, if you can just get past him and however possible and get to the maiden and hit her, she'll die in one hit. Yeah. But if you, if you can defeat Garl, she commits suicide and kills herself. So you still win, but you've just yeah. got to get past him and he makes it near impossible to get past him. <laughs> I guess he stays alive if you get past him and kill her, but you, apparently you can quit and reload your game and be gone. Okay. But yeah, I never could get past him. It took forever and I just... I fought this boss more than anything else, which made me hate this this whole war more than anything. Between the yeah. poison swamp and everything else, he was a pain. I like the idea behind the fight. Yeah. He's just way too hard. Oh, yeah. But if you'll notice, it's kind of weird. We were going through all of these stages, and you kind of started off on uh, World 1, but we only did the first two areas of World 1. Um, and to be honest, I really don't remember why, but I know that it's recommended that you come back and do the rest of World 1 in Boletaria um, later on, because that's kind of where the final boss is. Yeah. 1-3 <laughs> is really hard, and yeah, I think you have to beat at least one of the other area bosses before 3 even opens. Yeah, I that's wrong, but it's something like that. It's locked off somehow, and I can't remember why either, but I do remember yeah. that you have to get through it. Um in, in that pathway for some reason. Um, so yeah, World 3, you're basically going back to Boletaria Palace. It's some of the same enemies. There's some new enemies. It's a harder area. They're more cramped together. Um, some of the new enemies you fight are tougher. And it's yeah. just, it's a rougher stage to get through. It's kind of a good challenge, but 
it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's tough. It's trickier, but there's some shortcuts you can open up there too, which really helps. And, For, and the start of that stage is pretty because you're just kind of making your way up the steps, trying to get in the actual palace and just alternate nights. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And one thing that we'd kind of not mentioned either is co-op is kind of a two-part thing. There's co-op where you can actually get other players to join you if you're in human mode, but there's also NPCs that, yes. you, can, that you can have summon, and most of them are right there before bosses, and you can summon these NPCs to fight with you instead of uh, just having other player characters fight with you. So, like, on this stage, it's... Um, there's another knight. I can't remember what his name was, but it was like royal. <laughs> it was some royal knight of sorts, but he has his uh, sword and can fight with you and help you fight the boss. So I did use NPCs to help me occasionally, but I didn't do a whole lot of summoning of other people. Don't you have to help them in either 1 1 or 1 2? Yeah, there's certain conditions that you have to meet to, to kind of unlock them. Um, if I remember correctly, I think he was locked up. Yeah. You had to go back and unlock him to get him out there to have him help you uh, with the boss. And yeah, sorry, I can't remember his name and don't feel like just looking it up right now. But there's some good NPCs that you can fight fight with as well. Ostrava. Uh, that sounds familiar for the game, but I don't think he's the one that you fight here. I don't know. I know Ostrava is in Boletaria, and I know you deal with Ostrava at some point. <laughs> That's, Thank you. I was just looking it up. That's the uh, NPC early early on at Volteria Palace. Okay. Um, but yeah, once you're done with 1-3, you're on the final leg of the game, the final stage. Yeah. Going through 1-4 is the end game for Demon Souls. And it is every bit as tough as the rest of it. No. Um, <laughs> every bit as, well, even more so. For each stage. Other than Valley of Fomment, which is just cheap, it it kind of throws a lot of things at you. It throws a lot of enemies at you. It throws the dragon back at you. Yeah. Um, it throws some red phantoms at you that you've got to get through. Looking back at it, it probably wasn't as bad as I'm remembering, but I just it remember. Was, it was pretty bad. I think I had to find co-op help just to kill the dragon because I kept dying at it. Yeah. What? I didn't ever... You could kill the dragon? I just yes, ran... Yes, you could kill the dragon. <laughs> I just got ran past the dragon. I got my timing pretty good because I would take all of my armor off. You can, you know, you can take all your armor off at any point in time and just run as fast as you can. It gives you more stamina when running. But, of course, you get hit, you're screwed. But, yeah, there's people with crossbows. There's all kinds of enemies out there. It's just such a pain to get through. Oh, God, I hated this area so badly. Um... But yeah, I mean, if you do fight the dra- if you do have to fight the dragon, good, because I just can't remember. I thought I just ran past him. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> you um, don't have to, you don't have to. It's optional. Okay, yeah, I never killed any of the dragons in this game. <laughs> I just got out of there as quick as I could. Um, but yeah, you finally make it through. You finally get there. You fight one. Um, I still remember there was one black phantom guarding the pathway to the final boss that you had to beat. I think it's one of the people that you'd been working with the whole time, too. Yep. And finally get to King... Is it Old King Alant or King Alant? I can't remember. Old King Alant. Okay. Because I know there's another... What's the other? False King Alant. That's who it is. Because Old King... King Alant is the secret boss, right? Uh, no. You think... Oh, stupid memories failing me. Yeah, I don't remember the name of that one. 
But yeah, there was there's a secret boss at some point in one of these stages you can go back to. Um, and will it immediately rip you to pieces? I never fought it. There's like certain secrets that you have to go through to be able to get to it. And I can't remember the difference between False King Alant and Old King Alant. They're just both. I probably would have to Wikipedia this to remember it. <laughs> remember the name of them because I just I can't remember the name. But the final boss is um, he was the one I had the hardest time beating solo. I had to summon help for him because I yeah he's pretty hard. As a mage, this guy dashes around the stage. As you're trying to cast spells, he'll dash around the stage. He'll grab you, pick you up. Uh, and just destroy you in yeah, no it, time. He's so fast, so strong. It's kind of interesting that both this game and Dark Souls have, you know, there's the huge monstrous enemies, but the last boss is just kind of a humanoid guy that's just really powerful. Yeah, but unlike this game, you know, like the final boss of Dark Souls, I beat in one try. This guy I couldn't beat at all. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it yeah, it took a lot of help to beat him. I'm pretty sure I soloed this guy, but I've never managed to solo the final boss of Dark Souls. Well, I had um final boss of Dark Souls, I at least had um dude uh, Sunbro with me, so <laughs> Oh yeah, good old Sunbro. How, how many like, how many people game. did how many people did you have helping you to kill this guy? Just one. Oh, okay. Uh, can you have more than one in, in Demon Souls? Am I remembering that correctly? Um, you can, right? I think so. I don't remember for sure, though. Yeah, I sound like an idiot not knowing these things. But <laughs> well, I don't, when they blend together between all of them, it's kind of hard to remember yeah. specifically how it works. But I and think it's I just not, had... not something you really use as that much. I mean, mainly, you're, no matter what, you're going to be spending most of your time in the game solo. Yeah, I always tried to go through solo anyways. So um, even if you could have more than one person helping you, I only had one person helping me in this case. I think you can have up to three I think so. I, I know think you can in the others, but I, I think three is what you can have helping you, so four yeah. people total fighting. I think that's been consistent through the series, but okay. yeah, I, I did, also don't remember. Yeah, I did it so rarely in Demon's Souls that I can't recall. I didn't do... I was invaded one time and somehow died before I even got to me and never invaded anybody else and just summoned a lot of help in those. So, But yeah, the False King... The was just a pain. He was, you know, the hardest boss. And technically, he's not really the final boss, but yeah, he more or yeah. less is. There's kind yeah. of a, a trick boss that you can run into as well um, later on. But yeah, that's um, that's the game. That's, that is Demon Souls right there in a giant two-hour nutshell. <laughs> well, I think, again, the, the mere fact that you were able to remember so much without any stimulus or memory aids is quite a testament to how deeply this thing embedded itself within you, I'd say. Yeah, I think both of us really still probably have nightmares about some of these things. So, <laughs> Yeah. Why, but, why is World 5 coming to mind when you say that? Oh, yeah. Uh, sucks. It sucks. I, I remember one time I, I made it all the way through that area and almost got to the shortcut. So you don't have to go through the swamp again and died. And no. Oh, and plenty of times making it through the swamp area and getting smashed by a troll. Yeah. But yeah, that's the best thing about these games for me is they really are memorable and they stand out because the structure of them and everything is just such that there's a reason for everything being there. And I know this is probably a, 
discussion for a whole other podcast, but Wheels and I may differ a little bit on this. I like Dark Souls 2 for the mechanics that it adds, but I felt like a lot of the areas weren't as memorable. There was more bosses. There was more things. I can remember the stages, but there was just so much. It kind of crowded things out and didn't really have as much as many areas stand out to me as Demons and Dark Souls one did. Yeah, I would disagree there. I don't know if any area in the series is, for me, as good as 4-1 in this, because that's just like this brilliant area. Yeah. But uh, particularly Dark Souls, which I've, maybe just because I've played it so many times, uh, those areas are a lot more memorable than anything in this game. Yeah. And- I, I mean, I've just... Uh, for information's sake, I've played through Dark Souls four times. Yeah, that's that's a lot of times. <laughs> yes, and and two With of those different were builds each time. No, two of those were new game pluses. So two of those, so which get progressively harder. Yeah. So so I played oh. through three times with the same character, just continuing on. Yeah, and that's the thing too is when I said you know that's Dark Demon Souls in a nutshell. Um, when you beat the final boss. You get tons and tons of souls, and then you start over. You start over at the very beginning and can just start right back at 1-1. Everything's harder. There's a few... There are a few changes, aren't there? I I didn't do enough of New Game Plus in this yeah. one to recall. I didn't do enough uh, in this one either. But I know in the in the other games, there's sometimes not a whole lot different, except the enemies are harder. I know yeah. like Dark Souls 2 does a few things more yeah, than Dark- others. Dark Souls 2 is the big one. But yeah, in, in this one, it's New Game Plus. So chances are you're sitting maybe on 100,000 souls when you're going back through 1-1. And you've got to beat 1-1 before you can go back and level up. If I'm remembering correctly, you can't spend those souls until you beat the first stage. And as soon as you beat the first stage, then you can use all those 100,000 souls to level up, which of course meant I died and died on the way back to get the souls <laughs> and proceeded to turn the game off and say, man, that was a good game. New Game Plus does not exist in my world. <laughs> I think you got plenty of playtime as it was. Yeah, and looking back at it, I can pull up my actual records. I think this one took me – pull up the internet now – uh, I clocked in 25 hours, and that was counting the f- probably – I don't think I was counting the five hours that I played on the first character before restarting. So it took me 25 hours to go through the main game. Sounds about similar to what I played. As opposed to like Dark Souls, which took me 50 hours, I want to say, to get through. <laughs> yeah. It took me 52 hours to get through, and then Dark Souls 2 took me 33 hours to get through. Really? So, yeah. Wow. Mine was a lot far longer than that. But Dark Souls, I think, was probably 40 to 50 the first time and always less than 10 after that. Yeah. But just seeing that people can go through these games in like two hours or less than an hour it's, in some cases. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Again, I'll give a total shout out to, to Lois Jr. for his speedruns. And if you like Souls games at all and you want to go through and listen to more stuff, there are some great podcasts out there. Um, I have fallen in love with listening to Bonfireside Chat. They have gone through Dark Souls, Demon Souls, Dark Souls 2, and I think they even went back through a Kingsfield, and they've done some other little side episodes, but it's a weekly podcast about the Souls games, and it's just great talk, because if they treat it like a book club, they'll spend an entire episode on one section 
Like they spent an entire hour and a half, almost two hour episode just on World One One. <laughs> then the next week they do One Two. <laughs> so if you like this kind of talk and want to hear more, go back through there and you can kind of play through with them if you want to have kind of a book club experience. Um, so yeah, it's neat, and I think I I found yeah a sub hour speed run of Demon Souls is totally wow. possible. <laughs> It's insane. And from the very start, you know, it's not like it's New Game Plus where you have all these items and stuff. It's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. It's not quite the same, but a friend of mine showed me a video of uh, a fan hack Super Mario world level that he played on later. Mm -hmm. Where there there are instant death blocks everywhere and you need to instantly spin the turtle shells everywhere in order to not fall your death. Uh, I don't think this is quite that level of dedication. It does sound like if you you are you have to be very very um you know i'm forgetting the correct word you you just have to be incredibly dedicated to yeah. get there in under an hour yeah for sure <laughs> yeah so and, you and know. really you just have to you have to know the game like for well exactly so um mike okay. if you ever get a ps3 let us know we'll get you a copy of demon souls and dark okay. souls and dark souls 2 yeah just get a PS3. We'll get them for you. That, that, that may just happen. I'll I'll keep you apprised. Yep. Because it's not like I lack things to play as it is. I know. <laughs> yeah, but these are more important. Yeah, we're pushers, so we will I know. make this. I, I really... <laughs> I don't know how I ended up spending... What, I have to check how many hours I spend in... It's ridiculous. The game sucks. Me. <laughs> Nothing has in a while. Oh, uh, you've got a PC. If you can play Borderlands on PC, I would imagine Dark Souls 1 and 2 are playable. They're available on PC, so... <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. But I don't okay. really, yeah, you know, I, I, I spent I don't, 131 hours on Borderlands. I don't know how I managed that. You know, I don't really play Dark Souls on the PC. I could probably just gift you my copy on Steam. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Push, push, push. <laughs> Peer pressure. Yes, indeed. Oh, man. I'm, the, I'm like the guy who doesn't have the cool thing at school, and you're telling me about the cool thing. Okay. Yep. Um, speaking of the cool thing, how, does the cool thing look good? You might as well get that out of the way. Yeah, I'd I'd, uh, I'd say this game is never going to be considered like the best looking game ever, but I think it looks good for its style. It's kind of a dark, gritty style that some people won't like. Yeah, uh, but, four one looks really cool. Yeah, for sure. And There's five some, one, five one, and five two look really bad. Yeah, there are definitely some areas that stand out as being more looking. Um, I wouldn't say it's ever the prettiest game in the world, but I like the art style and I like the way it looks myself. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to win any beauty contests. <laughs> no, it looked good at the time, and the yeah. series has improved that as it's gone along. Right. Yeah, I don't think you're really going to find anything in there too ugly or uh, ugly enough to bother you, at least. Yeah. Unless you just really, 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 really hate like gritty, dark art styles that. You know. <laughs> I'm sure there are people like that. Yeah, I've heard some people use that as a reason they don't want to try the game is because they don't like the the aesthetics and, you know, more power to them. I don't let those kind of things block me or get in my way, but if it does you, I'm not going to judge you. And, so, okay, we... Yeah. Atlas apparently did not have to redub any of this. Does that mean that... what? I'm guessing there's not a whole lot of speech in it. <laughs> no, not a ton. It doesn't really have a whole lot going on as far as that goes, so... Um, but the what voice is there? there it's not bad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing there that's gonna uh, be bothersome in the slightest. Die, monster! You don't <laughs> belong in this world. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, and a lot of a lot of it just fits the game pretty well too. So. 
It is a terrible night for a curse. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. The morning sun has vanquished the horrible night. Why, why are we going back to this all of a sudden? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I personally think that that game was the original Dark Souls. You know, it just killed me over and over again. Uh, I felt frustrated all the time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was it. No, are you talking about Castlevania 2? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that game just wants to murder you. This game does not want to murder you. It just it doesn't succeeds. care. It it just doesn't care if it happens to you. Well, well guys, what if what if I told you you could have a copy of Dark Souls? Is it Dark Souls? Demon Demon, Demon Souls. Souls. Demon Souls. Souls. I get them all mixed up. Why did why did they change the name to? Why didn't they just say Demon Souls 2, Demon Souls 3 or different, whatever? Different, different publisher. Well, I come on, but it's yeah, the same. It's it's a rights issue, Phil. Yeah. Sigh. Anyways, what if I told you you could have this game for ten dollars? That is a, the steal of the century. Okay, okay, but you know our listeners—they're hardcore, and they want the same exact book that I got, so they can read it on the plane, and that can be had for a low, low price—the collector's deluxe edition of only eighty-eight dollars plus sixteen dollars <laughs> shipping and handling. Um. I'm Just not Google. hearing any loud. No. Google, Google Demon Souls Wiki. And he, he's he's thinking need, about it. Look at him. He's thinking about it. <laughs> you don't need the book. It's good wikis out there. Yeah, yeah there are plenty of great wikis that you don't need yeah. the book for. Yeah. Or there's that thing called Game Facts. It's pretty handy sometimes. Uh, and sometimes uh, these uh, games uh, get patched and updated to where even the things that you're reading about don't really work as well after the patch. Hmm. Yeah. That would be a good reason to look at the most recent Game Facts. Fact, I suppose. Yep. Mm. So yeah, that's Demon Souls. Good stuff. I would well, say so. You you don't tend to wax rhapsodic about stuff like this very often. I know. A lot of times, some of the games that I talk about, I'm like, oh yeah, it was fun. That was kind of cool. But there's a reason this is one of my two five of fives because it really stood out and it left a major lasting impression. Yeah. Well, I, if we'd had if we'd had you last summer, you might have been able to wax rhapsodic about Dragon Age Origins too. Indeed, indeed. But I think this one I can even wax more episodic about. <laughs> mm. Wax well, poetic. I can just wax things. Wax uh, elegiac. I don't wax know. on. Wax off. Well, we're gonna wax off into a commercial musical break. And they're going to wax back in or back on with the final lap. So hold on tight.
back. This is the final app where we do everything from reading your comments to just shooting the breeze. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a little bit of time since our last show, which was episode 138, Over the Borderline, where we spoke about Borderlands. Borderlands 1. Borderlands 1. and have to specify that because there are more than one. There is more than one Borderlands now. One of our, one of our shortest shows in history, <laughs> clocking in in only, what, 70 minutes or so? I, yeah. I think we can chalk most of that up to you being distracted during the recording. Well, you know, yeah, I was, I was kind of. Did I even talk about the game? Did I even make it back? I don't think you did. Oh yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, it's probably for the best. I wasn't super <laughs> impressed with Borderlands, so yeah. I, I got kind of bored around level twenty or so. I played all the classes uh, for about five or six or seven levels. Picked the one that I kind of liked the best. Stuck with it for about. I could never get through the whole game. Which and, which class was that? Ooh, uh, the one that throws down the turrets. Okay, that's soldier. Um, the yeah, that's soldier. I think soldier. So uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely had some things going for it that kept me in it as long as it did. But ultimately, I, it kind of started to feel like an MMO that I was playing by myself. Uh, it just felt so open ended. Everything kind of started looking the same to me. Um, and uh, and there's a lot of quests to do, but it, it felt like WoW quest. Except I'm playing by myself, and I don't know, it starts to dry up for me. But looking at your playtime here on Steam, Mike, it looks like you have a different opinion. Because holy, holy cow, man, 130-some-plus hours on this thing? Yeah, I think I finally excised the Borderlands bug after I tried taking on Cromerax and Glitch that somebody used on YouTube, and I couldn't get it to work, and Cromerax ripped me apart, and I started to say to myself, I think I've had enough. While it, while it would be nice to unlock the Vincible achievement for beating Cromerax the Invincible, uh, it, if he's not just going to let me do it, if I'm going to have to work really, really hard, and then not going to happen. I think I got my money's worth out of the game as it is. You know, it, uh, it, it um, yeah, every time I log into Steam, it says Albert Odyssey is playing Borderlands. <laughs> just, it, it's, it's incredible, man. You're addicted. Uh, I think I ha- I think the addiction has passed. Though. I haven't played it in a few days. Let- let's see how long this lasts. Because you, you, sir, you gave me Borderlands 2 complete with all the DLC. So I will have to resist playing that for a while because I have other things I need to do in the interim. And for what it's worth, I, I did like Borderlands 2 a little more than 1. So that means if I I think I put like five more hours into that one than the last one, you'll put in at least 200 more hours. So, so yeah. Mac, if you see me not accomplishing anything for a long time, then you can blame Phil for giving me Borderlands 2. Will do. Mm. It'll uh, be a treat when you get other things done. Well, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I got through X-Cave between Borderlands sessions. That was... <laughs> That was so memorable, I'm uh, struggling to remember anything about it right now. Sounds uh, like it. I, I went through um, uh, five levels of dungeon, and I brought some stuff back, and I got my butt beat a few times, and then I learned in the final stretch that all you have to do is block with the shield and hit them when they're not looking, and I, uh, I beat the final boss pretty easily that way. And It was a short game. That was good, because it was getting old, even with maybe... If you were able to rush through that dying, then you can probably finish in under three hours. Hmm. I I can't say I necessarily recommend it, but if, if you really want a game where the equipment determines all hmm. and there's and there's seriously no story whatsoever, uh, and you like Play it, Dark Souls. <laughs> Play the Souls games. Oh wait. Sorry. I'm sorry. 
I thought you were talking about games that were played that play well because yeah. X Cave, it's kind of the view of a roguelike, so you can't necessarily see very far, and that's not always good when they can hit you from a long distance. Yeah, no. When there's projectiles flying all over the screen, and and it's in real time too, so there's no there's no turn base to this. You have to move in real time and act in real time. Yeah, I'll pass on that part. Okay, I, I a couple of the tunes were kind of catchy. Yeah, neat. See, there, there we go. I came up with something mildly positive to say. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you weren't the only one who has positive things to say because we have comments. Victor has a positive comment. He says the skit at the beginning was hilarious. And Victor the show always has positive comments. I like Victor for Vic... that. <laughs> Thank you, Victor. We're giving Victor a review of his membership as one of our forum peeps. Yes. The uh, the skit at the beginning was hilarious, and the show was a great tour of an RPG series I'll never have time to play. Well, Victor, if you I play think, it the I way think... Mike does, then yes, you won't have time. <laughs> play it the way I do, where you get about halfway through, get bored, and move on, and... Did you even get halfway through? No, I beat it. Play with all four characters? No, no, no. I, I really did it. I, I did get around to beat it. Um, I just, yeah. I, the first time I played through it, I stopped halfway through, and then I buckled down and just got through the thing. You destroyed the destroyer! I did. He was very destroyed. Yeah, he was a big, ugly monster thing that uh, had lots of tentacles moved around and hit you, and that was mean of him. Mm-hmm. He says, I... I was- Maybe it was a him. I don't know. With, he, with the story, it's hard to tell. He says, I think you're rosely conflate the statement, I love this game, with this game is the best ever. People can adore a terrible game while admitting that the game is terrible, just like people enjoy B-movies but don't necessarily believe that B-movies are the best films ever. I loved Beyond the B... I can't even finish that sentence. Uh, it completely deserves its low rating on the site. I love Dragon Quest Seven. Its poor pacing and other issues means that, in my opinion, it deserves the review it got on this. Notably, he is talking about my review because yes. all the other reviews for that game, which were posted years ago, are various stages of glowing, at least compared to me, which is not difficult. Hey, the remake's really good. You keep bringing that up, and we just keep being reminded yeah. of Nintendo and its region-locked 3DS sorry, and how sorry. horrible that is. You, sir, you, sir, are going to go into the shame booth for a little while. <laughs> you deserve it now, unless you're going to give everybody a Japanese 3DS that can play the thing, because otherwise we just keep getting the, the region-locked 3DS. <sighs> Thanks, Nintendo, so much. Mm-hmm. Keep rubbing the salt. <sighs> I wasn't even going to mention that, but Mr. Apps had to bring it up again. My Japanese 3DS has cool slimes on it. Well, slimes tend to be... All right, cool. yeah. I'm about to hang up on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Uh, let's see here. Umbra says, Hey, Mike, it seems like you have trouble in Monster Hunter 4 with the control. Well, for my part, I rarely use the pad to look at the L key as my friend as it puts the camera right behind you or with a new feature of Big Monster Target. Once you activate it, one click on the L key points the camera right to the monster or a double click behind you. I think this is a big upgrade from the last Monster Hunter. It does help me a lot. Well, I tried multiple times with um, a character who was using bow and arrows to slay the first monster, the first test monster in an arena that they make you fight in order to uh, be able to access anything else. You know what? I failed four times. Bow and arrow. Ooh, that's not good for a beginner. Probably, but how was I to know? I just picked a weapon and I thought, range, that's a good thing. Obviously, (laughs) I was wrong. In this case, ranged are like the expert weapons. Okay. See, now I know. <laughs> uh, I, I have also rarely found myself enjoying third-person action. Uh, it's yeah, probably it's... my choices so far, 
But even with the ability to constantly turn the camera around to see the monster, I, the instant I move it around, then I'm out of lock and have to turn it around again and again. And the stupid bird dinosaur thing chases after me and bites me. And ow. Um, and then I got X Cave and blew through that relatively quickly. And then what did I do? Oh, yeah. Then I got this, this other thing that I'll talk about in a little bit, which is currently occupying my 3DS. And uh, Mr. Cunningham and I can actually talk, commiserate about it a little bit. Briefly, yeah. The, uh, the, the Madness adds, Comments you desire, then comments you shall have. I thoroughly enjoyed Borderlands, even though I played it through solo three or four times. In fact, that was about one more times than I did. Uh, though the lack of variety of missions and the color are fair complaints, the game and its environment seem to me to have lots, uh, have a lot of, for lack of a better word, character. Everything seems to fit together well and gives us a sci-fi Old West field. There's just not a lot of it, which is something I think the second game fixes. One odd thing I noticed is that there's a lot of outdoor say Segments, which have a lot more open space than you normally see in these t- kind of games and first-person shooters in general. I kind of like that. Made the planet seem a bit more desolate. I also like uh, what bits of storyline and lore there was, even if pretty much all of it came in text form. The bits about the psychos and the origins of the mutations, uh, being from convicts forced into working as miners and being exposed to, quote, something, which drove them all insane, strikes me as potentially fascinating, even if they never expand on it or just write it off as iridium or something. The sheer volume of guns and their unique effects was also nice. I particularly like the Rhino, a launcher which fires rockets that explode continuously as it remains in flight until it hits an unbreachable surface. Which I I have not found. I have not found the Rhino yet, even though I found a ton of guns in that game. I hope to uh, hear a backtrack on the second game and the pre-sequel sometime soon. I'll probably play through BL2 another time on Steam, so if anyone wants company playing through it, get for it. Also, I prefer... Our, uh, backtrack to the RPG cast. They know what they did. Do I know what they did? I, I don't know what they did. No, no, Should they I? know. They know what they did. Okay. So um, that almost implies say... he just likes us because he hates them. <laughs> the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I, I gotta say, at this point, we are probably going to do Borderlands 2 as a single show, and then, I don't know, maybe we'll do uh, whatever it is, Tales from the Borderlands and pre-sequel in one. We'll see. Because... Apparently, Borderlands 2 is so much bigger, so much meatier, that it might just have to get its own episode. We'll see. I haven't played it yet. Maybe if it sucks me in more than Borderlands 1 did, then I, you won't see me for a while. Oh, look. One mic writes to another mic. I have a Circle Pad Pro you can borrow if you need it. I don't use it's, it. It's true. For Monster Hunter 4. That, that could be you. Yeah. I, I've been using the little nub thing on the on the new uh, 3D XL doohickey. Uh, and that's kind of, I use that a lot on, uh, code projects, uh, project code, whatever called steam. Cause you gotta rotate the camera around a lot. <laughs> code project steam. thing. Project two hickey steam. Everybody calls it project steam. I've heard that on so many podcasts hmm. from people that are actively playing it, accidentally calling it that project steam is not available on steam. <laughs> Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, Techside says, while I listened to the early Final Fantasy's pod, as he's been catching up on previous shows, he listened to the earlier uh, Final Fantasy podcast. Uh, I was helping with the reorganization of the library. Uh, During the discussion of the scholar class, I managed to knock off a shelf's row worth of old books onto my head. You may have powers. Mm, Trails in the Sky is probably my favorite game of 2014. It was fun to listen to, and I'm looking forward to that next. I've got a friend who's been into series for a decade and imported a few of them, so it's also rewarding and a little weird to see these in English finally. The hey, last... Mac, you, you have any any news you can share with us about when second chapter might be coming? It is in uh, the Q&A now. Q&A. It's in Ooh. QA now. 
because um, I know that they've mentioned how the final pass is done on Twitter, and there's been some blog posts on the localization. So it's really just going through quality assurance. It's coming to fruition at last. It will happen. How long it will take, who knows, but it will happen. But the whole thing is translated at last. Yeah. That it is. It is complete. Was, that great. is an impressive undertaking. They've even created like a, a game Bible for it, so they know kind of um, what each of the things are synchronously across all the games and make sure all the NPCs are named properly and all the all that fun stuff. Check out Exceed's Tumblr. They've got a full write-up on it. It's good stuff. Okay. You, too, yeah. can leave your comments on our forums at forums.rpgamer.com. You can also shoot me off an email, jcservant at Cyberlight Comics or Mr. Minky at albertodyssey at hotmail.com. Let's do a roundtable where uh, everybody here on the podcast gets to share what's on their mind or what they're playing or what they've done on the RP uh, Gamer website. And let's start with our editor-in-chief, Mr. Cunningham. All right. So mostly I've been playing Final Fantasy Type-0 and the episode Duske demo of Final Fantasy XV. That's taken up most of my time as of late and really enjoy it. Uh, I would much prefer Type-0 on the Vita, but alas... My dream Square, will not Square come Enix true. is not being kind. No. My dream, alas, will die with with that. So I've been playing a few of those. Sorry, I'm just kind of ooh, worn out after all of the souls discussion. So that's kind of kind of the main stuff. And like I wanted to tease wheels with I played a little of the first world of Bloodborne. So <laughs> <laughs> not fair. This not. is not the sound of a happy wheels. But that's under embargo, so I can't talk much about it. But just hey, enough to torture you with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I haven't played near enough of it to really say much, other than, yep, it's another Souls game, um, and there's no shield. <laughs> and give me my shield back. Give me, <laughs> give me my freaking shield back, please. Oh. So yeah, that's it for me. Haven't done too much. Sorry if I'm not very verbose at this point. But well, there is this thing that both of us are playing, but I don't. I don't know. It's, is it under embargo to talk about it at all? No, no. You can preview it uh, and discuss Etrian Mystery Dungeon as well. Okay. Uh, if you don't like Etrian Odyssey games and you don't like Mystery Dungeon games, you don't might actually like these because I don't like Etrian Odyssey games and I don't like Mystery Dungeon games. But for some reason, having a party in a Mystery Dungeon game with skills. <laughs> Makes it a little more bearable for. Still what if you like both of those things? If you like both of those things, they blend very well together. Sweet. And for me, I like Etrian Odyssey, and I've the few roguelikes I've ever tried. Something about roguelikes just doesn't fit with me very well. It feels like an action game, but it isn't, and I constantly have to adjust my mental process to account for that. Uh, so what I like about this stems from the Etrian games, and. What I don't like stems from the mystery dungeon, and I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I I will say that the difficulty is manageable thus far. It's good because losing everything and and being booted out every time uh, I get wiped would not be pleasant if it happened every adventure. Uh, and it feels weird to play any Etrian game where you don't map. Yeah, there's a map that appears on the bottom screen, but you have nothing to do with it, and it's randomly generated. So it, even if you make a fort, then resets up the fort layout every time you come back. And 
it's really weird for me to play an Etrian game with no mapping. <laughs> yeah. Beyond that, um, well, I know that there are four more, no, three more big dungeons that I have to go through. I poked around and found that out. So we'll we'll see what I think. I the the approach it has to introducing it calls them DOEs, not FOEs. That's that was interesting, but doe a deer a female. Actually, Phil, that's not too far off mark because yeah, the first one was a deer. Like deer. <laughs> and I think you get some kind of antler from it when you kill it. Yeah, which is irony in itself, or not irony. I don't know. One of the other. Fitting? It's fitting. It, it is very annoying to have to fight it, though, because you have to into status ailment, and sometimes these stupid just keep dodging every attempt to bind them that you can throw at, and that's annoying. Anyway, I'll have more to say future because I will have to review it. I don't even know what score I'm going to give it yet. Yeah, because that is under... If you had right. a score in mind, you couldn't mention that yet. Because <laughs> they don't want us talking about those things. Well, it's a, it's a good thing I don't have one in mind. Yeah. Then Phil doesn't have to censor me. Exactly. Hamperstan. But <laughs> the mere fact that I was not screaming in, with frustration and rage after the first dungeon is a good sign. Exactly. Because normally I couldn't even make it that far. <laughs> I didn't make it that far in an Etrian game, so there, it, uh, that's all right. There's a Waku Waku Puyo Puyo dungeon, which is a subset of the Mado Monogatari stuff, which I've played several of those. I liked them. I played into the second dungeon of this, which is a roguelike, and I got near the end, and I got wiped, and I just screamed at it and set it down and sold it on eBay and have never touched it again because I no longer own it, and I don't want to. <laughs> that's, that's, that tells you my usual reaction to a roguelike. Yeah, I feel you. Um, oh yes and there's something that I will be talking about on our next episode called Secret of the Stars definitely one of the lesser lights in the Super Nintendo RPG pass but, <laughs> but you know it it's it's interesting to look at a game that came out in Japan in December of 1993 and looks barely barely better than your average NES game that's really impressive in some kind of way. I don't know how. Somebody can quantify it. It's pretty Also, bad. it is. But, you know, nobody's reviewed it for our site. I, I have to fix that. And here's, here's the best thing about the game. You can turn off combat animations, set the message speed to max, and then you just blitz through battles. Isn't that wonderful? That's the best thing about the game. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> hey, I found something nice to say about it. If you can't say nothing, something nice... Don't play Secret of the Stars. <laughs> it builds character. It has personality. It's it charming. It has a personality that makes you walk into the other side of the room and try to buffer yourself with many other people in the way, but it does have a personality. Exactly. Um, and I just want to mention The Fisher King, not because it's a great movie, but because it showed me something I never knew I didn't necessarily need to see in my life. Robin Williams Naked. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I did not. No, that just no. Just painting the mental image. I did not need. Well, you can probably guess, but uh, yeah, here it is. Here, here is what he looks like naked. Thank you, movie. I, I really needed to see that in my life. Thanks so much. That's that's it for me. I think. Mr. Apps. Apps. Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of things. Uh, I recently reviewed Monster Hunter Four Ultimate, which you know is pretty good. Pretty okay. Oh, yeah, that review. For some yeah. reason, I seem to remember that going around and around because um, it was really, really positive. 
that was the most difficult review I've ever had to write. I think just yeah, it was a little on the uh, the challenging side, and I think a lot of that comes to the un the misunderstanding a lot of people have over Monster Hunter, which you yeah. have since gotten Adrian addicted to. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I good noticed job. that. <laughs> he keeps tweeting at me like all this crazy stuff he's mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, that, uh, I absolutely love that game, and I actually restarted with a cartridge copy of the game. Oh, nice. So Replay time. Yeah, so that's been good. I've been playing a lot more multiplayer this time. Are you playing with Adrian? <laughs> No, I don't. You know, I don't even know. If, I need to check and see if I have him on my friends list. But yeah, I've been playing with Chris. It's been fun. I was actually shocked to see when I played with him that he was a high rank already. Nice. Shocked and pleased to see. So yeah, cool. uh, I've also been playing Hyper Devotion Neptunia. Wait, is that is that the title? What the heck is the official title Hyper of this Devotion game? Noir. Thank you, Hyper Devotion Noir. Which is a strategy RPG in the Hyper Neptunia series, developed by <laughs> Sting, and I have actually been enjoying this a lot. It's a really decent. Okay. This okay. one does not have those two words that combined. One word, the last word is a factory. The other word, we shall not utter in combination with it right now. It does not have any involvement from that company. I don't know what their involvement was. I know that it was developed by Sting. Okay. It's, Sting was, is safe. I mean, it's published by Idea Factory. I don't know how... You said it! Why did you have <laughs> to sorry. say it? I'm sorry. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I actually think this is a much better form of the Neptunia series in general. It just works pretty decently as a strategy RPG. All the weird goofiness and stuff. Uh, it feels less tedious than some of the Neptunia games I've played have felt. So, yeah, it's... I think there's three, and then the remakes on the Vita. We're going to say goodnight to Mr. Cunningham. He needs to run off. So thank you so much for being on, Mr. Michael. Yes, sorry to bail. Thank you for having me, and I will catch you all next time that I'm on. (laughs) Good night, sir. All right. Farewell. So you were saying, Mr. App? Yes. So, yeah, Noir is pretty good. I think I still have a few chapters left, so probably going to be a little bit longer before I can get a review up for that. Uh, I've also been playing another strategy RPG, um, but I'll wait. I'll wait till your turn, Phil, because I know you're going to be talking about that one. What? Really? Codename Steam. Well, isn't that Project Steam? No, it's not. <laughs> it's yeah, like secret <laughs> top secret Project Steam. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, I actually remembered something. It's on a friend's machine, so it didn't really occur to me. But I played a little Smash Brothers on Wii U. Mostly, it, we played about an hour and went, "What the hell is going on?" Sounds about right. <laughs> and never, and we haven't still quite haven't quite figured out what does what, especially when it gets pandemonium in there. <laughs> yeah, especially with the uh, eight player battles. Gets yeah, we tried one of those. I I kept bouncing all over the screen and winding up somewhere I didn't expect and trying to locate myself again. And um, there's a lot of stuff. To do. I'm, I'm sure if I the last Smash Brothers I played was the one on GameCube, so I'm a little rusty. <laughs> Anyway, that that occurred to me. Even though it's completely insane and I have no idea what I'm doing, it's kind of fun. <laughs> so, jeez. Uh, so, that's uh, is that all for you, Mr. Apps? No, I got a lot more. But I'm going to go through some, through some things real quick. I've been playing two import games, Dragon Quest Heroes. Which, what is Dragon Quest Heroes? So it's is that- a... 
It's this, a Muso Musou title based on the Dragon Quest series. Right. This isn't Dragon Quest Slime Mori Mori Three. No, 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 no. I do have, ha- I do, ha- I do own that, which I haven't played yet. But no. I, I understand you get pirate ship battles instead of tank battles. Uh, yes. I really need to get to actually playing that at some point. But yeah, Dragon Quest Heroes was announced for localization the day my Japanese copy shipped. <laughs> what timing you have. Yes, what timing. Uh, and yet, I keep importing God Eater 2, and that hasn't been localized yet. Um, but yeah, Dragon Quest Heroes, it's Muso title based on uh, Dragon Quest. Um, and it's actually I'm actually finding it not as good as Hyrule Warriors, which... I think was a fantastic mixture of uh, Dynasty Warriors type gameplay and the Zelda series. Like I love that game, and this one, it's good, it's fun. There's some familiar Dragon Quest characters. It's a bit more RPG-ish uh, than any Dynasty Warrior types game I've played before. Um, but yeah, it's it's just pretty good, and and not really loving it too much. Uh, I've done some streams of it, and I threw some gameplay videos up on YouTube if anyone's interested. Uh, but I, more importantly, I've been playing God Eater 2 Rage Burst on the PS4, uh, which is a Monster Hunter type game, and it is freaking awesome, and has one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard as well. Uh, so yeah, everyone needs to be praying for a localization of that game, because it's really, really good. Mm, and, but yeah. it the graphics. Uh, for a game for a game that was originally Vita and PSP, uh, surprisingly good and really nice and smooth on the PS4. It, definitely not the best on the PS4 by any stretch. It's pretty nice. Interesting. Yes. So you're going to bring us a localism? <laughs> uh, I mean, I I imported the original version of God Eater Two on Vita, which when I did that, they announced the updated version the day the copy of that shipped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bought the That's how PSV... they get more money from you. Apparently. I bought the PS4 version of this one while I was at PAX East, but... Well, you know, we, we've, often had, we've often had great prescience when recording these backtracks. When they get posted, stuff we talk about somehow comes to fruition. Remember when we were talking about uh, Devil Survivor 2's remake for 3DS and then it got I announced? I do, mm-hmm. and that was really cool, so I'm maybe, hoping... Maybe that'll happen I, again. I would. Yeah, that's just the way we roll. We make yeah. things happen here at RPG Backtrack. See, I've been playing that, and speaking of roguelikes, I'm probably going to play the sequel to Guided Fate Paradox soon. Awaken Fate Ultimatum. I wish, I really wish they better names for these games. But... Oh, oh, come on. NIS. NIS. All you have to do is slap a couple of random words around the word fate. Um, introspective fate dive bomb. There, there we've got a new sequel title. <laughs> What's kind of annoying about this one is they completely changed the art style from the original, so it's kind of hard to even figure out that this is a sequel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I really like the original. Still my favorite roguelike. Um, although, I, apparently no one else really cared about it. And, uh, you know, I brought Q&A back as a podcast. You know, that's all. Yes, so myself and former staff member David McBurney uh, put together some pilots of uh, trying Q&A, the old Q&A concept as a podcast, and seemed to go pretty decently, and is under half an hour. 
What? Oh, no wonder I didn't listen to it. Under half an hour. Yes. So the concept we kind of went with. Do you know I have trips to the bathroom that take longer than that? (laughs) So we kind of went for the idea of a shorter podcast, and it seemed to work pretty well. So we're going to try and keep it like that. Well, the regular RPG cast goes longer than half an hour, and that's every week. Well, that even lasts a trip to work? I don't think so. (laughs) what, What are people supposed to do with that? Holy cow. Yeah, especially people who listen to it at two and a half speed. That'll oh, take less than 10 go. minutes. Holy cow, yeah. Well, I've been doing that with audiobooks. Um, I've been listening to The Hobbit. Uh, so uh, Shirley, uh, Shirley, got, uh, Shirley got Amazon Unlimited, which is essentially Netflix for books. What I didn't realize when she got that, however, was that any book she added to her library through that program would automatically show up on my Audible account if it has an Audible version. So as long as we are paying the nine ninety nine a month, I have access to all these Audible books. Um, so yeah, I was listening to The Hobbit at like two times the speed. That's what I pass. It goes like that. It's like real oh. fast. Yeah, no, it, 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 <laughs> that actually just kind of gets him to where I'm actually paying attention. Otherwise, he kind of talks to. You. So yeah, yeah, I can't imagine listening to your podcast at two times speed. It that would make it <laughs> wow. Jeez, yeah. gosh, wow. I got microwave dinners that take longer to cook than that. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Well, I'd imagine some future episodes would probably be a bit long. I'm gonna try. And I tell you what. I tell you what. Apps. Why don't you just have me on for a guest? Guaranteed to triple the length of your podcast. Well, I was definitely going to have you on <laughs> as a guest at some point. So we've proven this at RPG Cast, where even if I don't say hardly anything <laughs> at all, as long as I'm on the show, their podcast runs like an hour and a half longer than normal. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's why they never invite me on Active Topical Banter, because Scott's really <laughs> paranoid that I'll have the same impact on that show. Uh, but, yeah, you can uh, definitely check that out, RP Gamer. It's right there on the front page, actually. I hope people enjoy that. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I've already got probably, since we can kind of spend a lot more time on questions on this than in the original column, I've got enough questions to last, like, probably ten episodes, so... Plenty of material to work with. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I suppose I can come up with some if you need. <laughs> <laughs> that may fill up like a decade's worth of shows. <laughs> but sure, go for it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, be- I better do it. If, uh, if I if I sent you an email from work, that uh, might go. Yeah, the, that's... Am I forgetting anything? I think that's all I've been up to, which is a lot. Okay. Well, let's see. Now, Phil, as I recall, you were experiencing the joy that is Nintendo's hardware replacement policy, weren't you? Oh, no. Did I not share this story yet? Oh. We, it's, it's been a little while since we recorded, and the last time we did, uh, you didn't have much to say. Mm. So, oh, that's yeah. right. I was gone. <laughs> yeah, okay, boys and girls. So, in case you haven't heard... There is a new 3DS out that's aptly named New 3DS XL, right? And it has new improved 3D effect, and it really does work. Uh, so I bought one of these. Uh, I had to drive to like three different, you know, stores to find one. Finally found one. I bought it. Now I started playing it. Worked really well. Handed it to my wife. And she liked it so much that while she was playing it, I was sitting next to her in the car. Uh, we were in the parking lot. I whipped out my cell phone and just took a picture because she had her mouth open like a kid who just played his first Nintendo game. 
And, uh, I mean, you could make a better advertisement for this product if I tried. So I actually put that on Twitter and stuff. I'm surprised Nintendo hasn't asked me, uh, you know, to, to pay some royalty fees to be able to use it for a promotional piece. Because she's like, oh, my God, that's, that's her face. So she plays it for like an hour or two. And then I said, can I please have my 3DS back? Your toy? My 3DS. Here you go. So I get back my 3DS. And the uh, the left circle pad no longer works fully. It'll go left and right. It won't go up and down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because what happened was I asked her, I guess you like it because you won't give it back. And she says, well, I like it, but the control doesn't work as well. I said, what do you mean the control? It's the same exact control. What do you mean? But then I saw, yeah, the, 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 the control pad stopped going up and down. So that's why she was having problems working in some of her games. So, um, you know, the problem with Nintendo uh, 3DS anyways uh, or the DS products in general, is that to transfer your software that you've downloaded from the store from one to the other, you have to you have to go through a process uh, by having them speak wirelessly to each other or, or whatever, and you can only do this once a week. Now, my and I was freaking out because there was no more of these things in the Salt Lake area. So the next day, Sunday, I went out all the way to Tewilly, which is a good hour from my house, uh, Utah. And I found another one. I called before I took that. I found another one, but I couldn't just immediately turn back in the broken one because it would be a week before I could transfer the software again. See, so yes, I held on to it for a week. Finally, transferred the software over, and then I took. And then that that transfer actually did not work, Mister Me. That the uh, it ended up when the, it, it did transfer my credentials over from the 3DS store, whatever the hell it's called. But the games themselves did not transfer over. I ended up going into my download history and downloading them one at a time. Now, on a Vita or the PSP or the PS3, downloading your games again, a little bit of a pain, but not the end of the world. You just hit download, download, download as it shows you the list. On a 3DS, pain in the butt because as soon as you download it, it's got to go through the animation of the thing downloaded. You can pick background download, but you can only do that for like 10 games. So after that, you got to download them one oh, you, you at a time. You don't like that little, that little animation of the little bubbles constantly being dropped in the box? Yeah, the little bubbles. I have to admit, when you're transferring from one 3DS to the other, there's this animation of those uh, Pikmin. Pikmin or whatever they're called, uh, pulling uh, chunks of like a picture of your DS, and they're pulling it. They they move them bit by bit. That was kind of cool. I, I'll give Nintendo props for their progress bar, but uh, yeah, that was a pain in the butt. So finally, a week later, I got to take the broken 3DS to GameStop, and they they put a refund on my credit card. I and the guy asked me. He said, "Do you want to trade this in for you know a new one? You know that will work." And I said, no, no, just I've already bought a new one in Twilly. Just give me a refund. And he did. Well, a week later, or two weeks, after I made sure the refund was on my credit card, I ended up going back and buying another one because Shirley had to have one. She just wouldn't stop playing. And we do not share in my family. Nope. <laughs> We're selfish. So, um, yeah. So along those lines, uh, you know, I, I, when you get the new 3DS XL, I promise you one of the first things you're going to do is take your entire collection of 3DS games and pop them in one at a time to see what they look like in the new 3DS system. And, and they, I think the one that jumped at me the most was uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time. Holy Hosanna. I mean, on the 3DS it was something else, but on the, three, uh, the new 3DS XL where the 3D doesn't get lost every time you sneeze the wrong way. Uh, it's just it just really draws you in. I think the bigger screen helps with that too. Now I was trepidatious about the bigger screen because the resolution on a 3DS is already kind of low, and stretching it out to a few you know an extra inch or two, it, it, there are some games where it definitely the pixelation is noticeable. But in Zelda, 
Ocarina of Time, the 3D effect just draws you and sucks you right in. On New Super Mario Brothers 2, not so much. No, just turn the 3D off on that still. Do you know that game, what it does when you turn the 3D on is it just makes the background fuzzier? That's about it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a 3D effect, right? If you're going to pull a camera out of focus, the background's going to get fuzzy. Yeah. Well, that, that makes perfect sense, man. That... Yeah, absolutely. Actually, so uh, so I've been, I've been trying to get through New Super Mario Brothers 2 because while I was going through the entire collection, I realized I had not beat that game yet. And by all accounts, that's an easy game to beat. So I started plugging through that when uh, Code Project Secret Steam came out. And uh, I saw the reviews and looked really good. Looked like my type of game, a tactical RPG um, that was a little bit light in flavor, which is kind of what I need right now. I don't need something with 500 million stats. And uh, and I've really been enjoying it. Uh, the 3D effect works pretty good on this. Uh, in Project Steam is or Codename Steam or whatever. What is it called again, guys? Codename Steam. Codename Steam. It's uh, it, it's 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 an XCOM type of tactical RPG. But instead of being isometric, it's third person. So the camera is usually right behind the shoulder of whatever character you're taking the turn on at the time. And and since that's the only way you can view the battlefield instead of pulling back and getting this overall tactical approach, you really have to pay attention to your surroundings. you got to rotate the camera a lot, which is where the little nub comes into handy on the, the, the new 3DS as that little right control nub. So I've been getting used to that. If you don't have the new 3DS and you don't have the CirclePad Pro Plus, whatever the hell it's called, you can use, there's a control on the touchscreen to move the camera around, but that looks like it'd be a pain in the ass to have to keep going back and forth with that. Um, I suppose you could you do al- it. You can also use the face buttons. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm doing that now. And yeah, I like the little nub. Yeah, the yeah that's better. the best way. Yep, nub's, nub's your friend. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, I, I, you know, I, I know a lot of the reviews have not, uh, you know, have, have been kind of, they're, they're good numbers, but they're not great. And one of the big complaints is that the enemy turns take a lot of time. So once you take your turns, the enemies take their turn one at a time. And it's almost as long as the player turns because you will see the enemy look like he's thinking for a second. And then he starts moving at normal speed, the way a person would move. And then he takes his shots and there's like eight enemies. So you have to wait for all of them to do this. But, uh, but for me, I guess because I'm older, I like slower pace, number one. Uh, and number two, uh, I, I think it really draws me into the experience because there, you're, you're always overpowered in this game. One wrong one wrong move and you can have a KO'd party member without – yeah, before you even know what hits you. So you have to pay attention to the enemy movements. And sometimes you can only catch gl- – because of the camera angles and stuff and the fact that there's so many obstacles in the way, sometimes you'll only catch a glimpse of an enemy running over some – you know, running in the background over one of your character's shoulders. You know, but that enemy is dangerous. So you're just trying to glean whatever information, just like if you're out there on the battlefield and you're like looking for alien movement, like, you know, like the movie Aliens. It's really cool. So I, like I said, I know some people gripe about that, but I don't know. I, I kind of like trying to figure out where the enemies are at. It uses uh, the, the enemies will use a lot of time. They'll, they'll use the high ground a lot. And, and you don't think sometimes to, to pan the camera around to look up on the, the rooftops and stuff for the critters. So seeing shadows or seeing them zip across there during their turn helps. Um, but so far, pretty 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 tight game. It it it's, it feels difficult without being so punishingly slow that frustrating. I frustrating. Yeah, no, it hasn't hit that point yet. I'm on the. I just got the uh, Tiger Lily, which I think is like the third set. They they seem to they throw the uh, the boards at you in pairs. So this would be the third set of, of pairs of adventures. 
the uh, the style of the game, if you haven't seen the the screenshots, it's like a comic book style from like the 1950s. The story is some whacked out story about Abraham Lincoln who faked the assassination attempt, uh, faked being assassinated, so that he could remove himself from the public eye and create this super secret task force to to help beat up aliens. Which was great timing because aliens just popped up on the scene and started killing everything. And you get characters in your party, such as Tiger Lily, uh, the uh, you know, the Egyptian Tiger Lily. I don't know who he is. You got Lion from, from Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Okay, sure. You got Lion, I I, Lion from the Wizard of Oz. That's hilarious. And uh, John Henry, the put him up, put him up. Yeah, he's, well, this guy's a lot tougher. Uh, and uh, at least he's a, like a real lion. And, and then John Henry, the guy who basically tried to um, outdo a machine himself, ended up dying. The legend. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's it's a. Uh, are there are there any vampires that Abraham Lincoln fights? Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah, not yet. So far, just uh, aliens that seem to shoot a lot of cold attacks. Uh, and then I, I figured we might as well establish if this falls in any way into the continuity of Abraham Lincoln. All right. <laughs> I just, just played this one board while y'all were talking about Borderlands, and there the objective is you have to get... Uh, the objectives are varied, by the way. I like that. Like, every other board has a totally different objective. And I'm supposed to get to the... I'm supposed to work my way towards one end and beat up this big, huge boss that is throwing artillery shells at our ship that's up in the sky, the president's airship. And uh, this, this thing can cover half the field. Um, so I noticed that if I got so close to it, um, it would it would show a targeting reticule, uh, like a laser beam, saying, hey, if you end your turn here, the thing is going to bombard you with artillery fire. So I moved just out of its range. The enemy took its turn. The enemy, one of the enemy aliens, comes up and shoots me with, a, with like, a grenade, which knocks me back into the big artillery's <laughs> range. And I'm like, screw you. And this is one of those quick deaths I'm talking about. If you're not careful and you don't plan a step ahead sometimes... Uh, you can find a character dead, and uh, those artillery shells hurt. Well, the thing went to fire off its artillery shells, and I was saved because where it knocked me back into, it knocked me underneath of these uh, these metal uh, metal sheets that are being held up by a hook. So basically, they're, they're, it's a suspended roof. So when he knocked me in the range of the artillery shells, he knocked me underneath another roof. So when the shells fall, when the big boss throws the artillery shells up, they go up at an angle, they fall down, they hit the roof, they don't hit me. So I was like, phew! Those are the kind of moments you have with this game. The, but again, it's not too frustrating. It does give you, uh, in each battlefield, there's at least uh, two save spots, sometimes more. So uh, so there's you can save on those save spots once. Uh, so you rarely lose more than a few turns if you do feel the need to reset or get your party wiped. And every time, I, I think I've done that twice now. And when I have, I've been able to go, okay, this I'm going to use this strategy. So... Good stuff, good stuff. And uh, Clash of Clans, Mike, you need to join. I Everyone's do. playing Clash of Clans. Yeah, Mom is playing Clash of Clans now. Mom asked me to start a clan, so now Mom and I have a clan. Uh, it's grown quickly to like 15, 16 people, and we war all the time, and we are now 5-1. and one. We lost our first war, and we've won five straight after that. So, yeah, Clash of Clans, a lot of fun. Are you a, are you a warmonger, Phil? Uh, apparently mom is, uh, I never realized mom could be so violent. There is, uh, and Chris and Anna are part of our guild from RPG cast. Uh, if you're, are if they you're, warmongers? Uh, you know what? They're, they're kind of like part-time, uh, armchair warmongers. I've noticed they don't quite put in the time that, uh, mom does into their, to their, uh, uh, forts. 
Out of curiosity, is, is your mom retired or does she still have to work a job? Uh, she's retired. She, okay. she does a lot of housework and stuff. But, uh, yeah, she doesn't actually go to... That may explain why she's such a warmonger if she has all that time in a day. Yeah, indeed. Indeed, indeed. Well, of there's... Course, of course, you are forgetting that if I'm going to play something else on the computer, it might just be this thing you gave me called Borderlands 2. Borderlands 2. I might be lost in that for a while. We have to be prepared for that. Oh, shucks. But if you want to uh, want to look into uh, joining us, it's called the uh, Adult Marauders. It's pretty easy to find on that name alone, but it's got a red banner with a uh, – looks like a yellow letter Y on the front. And uh, But make sure you read uh, the website. If you look up the clan in Clan Wars, it gives you a little description before you join. There's a website address. So you can go and look at that and read our guidelines. Essentially saying we're nice to each other and we like to we like active members who are participate a lot. So because we fight nonstop apparently. Bloodlust. Oh what Like I said, warmongers. War Warmongers. Shoot. Um but other than that, uh there's a little Pathfinder still here and there and uh still play through some uh, demon gaze on my Vita, but admittedly uh super top secret project Steam has uh taken my attention from Demon Gaze for a while. So, Demon, Demon Gaze is a long burn. Ah, it it is, it is, it is. It, you know, for me, it's it's good that you know it's like it was it before uh, Steam. Anyways, it was kind of my bedtime game, twenty minutes or so. You know, pop on the Vita, do a few more. I'm kind of at a point though. I beat uh, what's his name, uh, Hermes or Hermes. Yeah. yeah. I beat Hermes, and I'm not super clear where to go next. There was a red door that was locked at the end of that particular uh, branch of the dungeon. I thought, well, once Hermes turns into a key, because that's what the innkeeper chick does, she turns them into keys for you, that it would open up that door, but it doesn't seem to work that way. So I'm a little bit at a loss as to where to go next. I, I guess I can explore the black uh, the black hole or the black forest or whatever the hell it's called a little bit more, because I started doing that, and I kind of hit a brick wall on that earlier so maybe i need to go back to investigate some more i think i got stuck after there too i'm trying to remember where the heck you're supposed to go next yeah i mean um, it might you, come down to me looking at a dreaded faq we all yeah. know how i feel about that uh, before you do that i would just try talking to everyone in the inn and there might be a few quests you have to do there yeah. i know some things get unlocked that way god knock out some quests yeah uh so yeah but uh you know that's uh I'll tell you, it's interesting. The Vita, you know, you go when I go back and play the Vita, and it's got the higher contrast. I love high contrast. It's got much sharper graphics in the 3DS, so my eyes go ah pretty. And then I go back to the 3DS XL ah 3D. You know, <laughs> it's interesting when you go back and forth between the two. I appreciate the Vita because of its crisp, high resolution graphics, and then the the the, the 3DS kind of draws you in with its 3D technology. But it's it's definitely grainier. So, and then for kicks and giggles, I just pull out the PSP or the old DS once in a while. <laughs> I love the I love pa- I I'm really upset that it's one of those games that didn't that don't work on the Vita for my PlayStation Network uh, PSP account. Uh, but uh, Pac-Man Championship Edition does not work on the Vita. Don't know why. But uh, yeah, but I, I practically have that PSP for that game and that game alone. <laughs> I mean, certainly, yeah, I got Ogre Battle and a few other. I mean, there's definitely some classics on the PSP. I've I've sang the PSP's praises before. But as far as in lately, I think for the last six months or so, the only time I grab my PSP is to play some more Pac-Man. 
beat, trying to beat my high score. That game you got is the Pac-Man fever. You know, if you've never, if the last time you played Pac-Man was the old 1980s version, y- you need to check out the uh, tournament edition, the championship editions that came out. I remember when they first came out. Uh, originally, it was an Xbox only release, and I was so jealous. It was almost enough to get me to buy one because I saw some Let's Play videos, and it just looks so cool. Eventually, they finally released it on PlayStation 3, and then later on, we got a, a PSP. Uh, deal of uh, the first one. I can never re- remember which one comes first, but I want to say the first one's Championship Edition. And then later on, there's the DX Plus uh, whatever, which is a slightly different gameplay mechanic. But both of them, you can't go wrong with either one because they really bring Pac-Man to the 21st century while still keeping it Pac-Man. There were so many other Pac-Man clone games that came out in between, like on the PlayStation. Pac-Man Adventures. I try to be like Super Mario, uh, Super Mario Land or whatever world. Super Mario World. What, no, what's the 3D one? Super Mario 3. Super Mario 64? Yeah, yeah. You had like, uh, you know, them trying to make Pac-Man like Super Mario 64. And even today, like on the Wii, there's one based off of the new animation. And it just looks stupid. It looks like Super Mario Galaxy with Pac-Man, just a poor man's version. You know, when they keep trying to turn Pac-Man into a platformer and other crap, it doesn't work. Or you didn't like You didn't like Pac-Man 2 where you shoot at him with a slingshot? To make yeah, the stuff? slingshot. Oh my gosh. How horrid. Uh, but, uh, but, I mean, you know, Miss Pac-Man took, uh, Pac-Man up another step. Pac-Man Championship takes Pac-Man up, like, a whole nother floor. It's just, it's mind-blowing if you haven't tried it out. And you can get that on, uh, that one's on the PSP. Is that store, that store's still open, right, on the, in the U.S.? The PSP store? Uh, yeah, I think so it's still open it, to, yeah, they closed it in some of the other countries, but it's still open in the, in the U.S. And if not, you can, you can still buy stuff and transfer it to the PSP. Transfer it, yeah. From a PS3 oh! or PC. You want to hear something funny, too, speaking of uh, technological issues with our handhelds. So I recently got upgraded to fiber optic internet, but in order to do that, I had to get a new uh, modem router. Router. New router. Well, um, I use the same network name and password. That way, I don't have to go through my 15 different devices and redo the settings. Uh, And so, sure enough, the iPad, the computers, everything instantly recognized my new doohickey with no problem and got logged into the internet but the one thing that couldn't handle it was the psp i couldn't connect to the playstation network store so i kept playing with the settings trying to figure out what's wrong finally googled it up and it turns out that the um that the uh the the type of network card and i put that in quotation marks i could be totally wrong here but long story short the psp doesn't like newer routers it just it just won't work it's oh it has to do with the um security the security on the P- yeah. uh, the the security protocols on the PSP are too old for newer modems. So the only way now I can connect my PSP <laughs> to the PSN store to download anything is to use my cell phone as a wireless hotspot, <laughs> or or to turn password protection completely off on my home networking system, which is always a smart idea. So yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, my new modem doesn't have the old uh, security protocols at all. I can't go back to it. It's not backwards compatible with the PSP. So that's a little cute little tidbit. Hmm. All right. Well, is there anything else we can uh, think of, guys, before we head out for the night? Oh, yes. The next show. <laughs> the next show is RPG uh, Backtrack uh, number 140. Is it are, really are you, that bad? Are, are you going to be on this one, Mr. Apps? I, I, know you ha- I know you have the chance to play two of these games. Uh, I'm scared. Y- you remember that that one Camelot game on the PlayStation console? Uh, that, that that Konami game. Remember the one I sent you? 
the one you were so happy to get? Ephemeral Fantasia? There we go. Do I have to? I'm playing Secret of the Stars, man. Yes, we do. I'm going to... You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set up an emulator on my PC so I can stream it, share my misery with the world. That's probably going to make for a very... A channel that gets a lot of hits. (laughs) Because let's face it, people seem to like misery on the internet. Well, this is kind of true. Like, if I'm going to watch a Let's Play... I'm not going to watch a Let's Play of a game that I'm going to enjoy. I'll get around to playing it one day. I don't want somebody to spoil it for me. But if there's a really gnarly game out there I know I'm never going to play uh, because it's just that bad, I might uh, watch somebody else go through the misery. You know, having that on the second monitor <laughs> while I'm uh, playing, you know, something fun on the first monitor sounds sounds entertaining. Maybe you could have done that instead of playing X-Men Destiny. <laughs> ah, yeah, that was... <laughs> That one, that one, that one was pretty bad, but it wasn't as bad as these games on this list. Well, you know, I I couldn't just take the word of all the reviews. I had to find out for myself. And like these I... games on this list, <laughs> these games on this list are the reasons why we have a 1.0 on our scale. X Men Destiny was more like a two. I think you know. I often wonder. I often say, you know, uh, we talk about our scale quite a bit on RP Gamer because ours is a little different. We do a, a one to five scale. Uh, which is really only nine points uh, instead of the uh, you know one to ten scale that a lot of people use, or the one to a hundred scale that nobody uses the full range of. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, that just drives me crazy. Uh, what is the difference between an eighty-two and an eighty-four game? Hmm, I just two point. I anyway. Um, it, it, it equals how much change somebody threw in the air. I don't know. <laughs> well, and and the problem with those really big, and we're totally off on a tangent, but that's okay because that's what we do here. Um, the 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 problem with the one hundred point scale is that like. One through, let's say, 60 is just – I mean each one of those numbers is used so rarely. Uh, but even an RP gamer, I often think to myself, what is the difference between a 1.5 and a 2.0 and how often do we actually use those scores? But Destiny, X-Men Destiny was definitely a 2.0, uh, whereas these other games, definitely the 1 to 1.5 rank. So yeah, you're going to feel the pain on the next yeah, show. Remember, I, I did review two of these and the third one will be coming up very shortly and – both of them only got a 1.5. So I'm sorry. Did... Shows, it either shows how much garbage I've played or <laughs> that my tolerance has um, increased over the years. I don't – I really don't know how to M- – Minky, we all know you're a glutton for punishment. Hey, hey. Uh, so do we get a commitment here out of apps? I will pl- – I'm not promising to finish Ephemeral Fantasia, but I will play it. Yeah, you don't have to finish you, me on the show. Should. There you go. Yeah, you shouldn't <laughs> promise it. it I don't okay. know how long it took me because the stupid game shows you its own internal clock. It doesn't show you how long you played it. I can tell you it was a long time. I can tell you, well, you know, all you have to do is start and then you can experience some of the stuff that I did. And you'll probably go. <laughs> did, uh, on a totally different subject, did you, uh, did you, uh, did you back the Seven Dragons saga on Kickstarter? No. That was, oh, I thought it was you who told me about it. Maybe it was somebody else. It's no. the SSI tactical RPG oh, yeah. type of game. Yeah, yeah. Should I? Oh. Does it look good? Uh, well, if you're in a tactical old school, you know, RPGs, I suppose. I thought uh, maybe it was somebody else who told me about it. So if you're, uh, of course, there's always like a million and a half Kickstars out there, and I'm just about uh, Kickstarted out, so I don't know if I can really support this. Uh, but uh, let's see. We'll have a quick. Uh, we'll have a quick. Uh, we'll have a quick RPG backtrack kick- Kickstarter roundup here. Okay, so Phil currently has money into Underworld uh, Ascendant, 
which is uh, the original creators of Ultima Underworld have gotten together and they're creating a new first person kind of dungeon crawlery in the spirit of the original Underworld um, Ascend, uh, Underworld uh, Ultima Underworld game from back in the day. So uh, that one's already been closed and stuff. I, I don't like go to their website and still keep funding them, but uh, they got eight hundred sixty thousand of a six hundred thousand dollar goal. So I'm looking forward to that game when it comes out. Uh, then I've also backed uh, Kick uh, Shadowrun Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong, which I enjoyed the uh, the other Shadowrun game they did. So that one got uh, that one got backed one million two hundred and four thousand dollars of a one hundred thousand dollar goal. That's that's incredible. So, so now that it's gone up twelve hundred percent above the necessary level, uh, what is all the extra money going to be used for? Well, let's see here. At uh, we got uh, at a hundred thousand, we got enhanced player controls at one fifty. We got animatic scene transitions two hundred thousand. Raptor joins us. Uh, Anima- that's what what is an animatic scene transition? Okay, you know we're gonna have to Google that because I have <laughs> no freaking idea. Uh, that's uh, that's a really good question. They just kind of hope that it sounds so good you'll push them to a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, let's see. Why don't they say um, this... uh, quadriplegic scene transitions only for the quadriplegics in the audience? Uh, it, it looks like a storyboard method of transitioning. I I just uh, yeah. So I, I, it transitions by showing you a piece of the artwork that was used in the pre-production. Okay, you know we're we're moving on. I just <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. At three hundred thousand, you get a side mission for Gobet. At three fifty, you get better sound. Uh, at four hundred. Thousand Gaichu joins uh, 450 enhanced cybers. I think that's the skills or whatever. 500 or half a million dollars, you get Isobel's side mission for 550 expanded magic. 700,000 revamped matrix. And then for 1 million, a Hong Kong mini campaign with four to five hour. Sh- it's four to five hour Shadows of Hong Kong mini campaign imports your high karma Hong Kong characters. Uh, free to the backers at the $15 reward tier and above. So, yeah, we got a lot of extra crap, I guess, for pushing them so far over. Uh, I, th- this is this is, this is is pretty crazy. They probably have broken well above profit level for this game before the game has even come out. And then, of course, any copies that people buy on Steam and GOG and the such after it's been released will simply be extra gravy at this point. But uh, God bless them. It's a fun game, and it's uh, tactical RPGs, which I love. And then uh, Seven Dragon Sagas. I thought that was what Maps told me about. Maybe it was somebody else. Uh, that one has 22 days left to go. They got 102000 of their $450,000 goal. It's, uh, it, uh, it says Seven, Saga, Seven Dragon Saga is the epic RPG debut title from Tactical Simulations Interactive formed by SSI alumni. So for for those of you who were – I pl- automatically distrust anyone who uses the word epic so freely. If you, ha- oh, if you are loudly telling me that it's epic – Epic. I, I judge that on my on my own. If you tell me it's an epic, I will probably just. Yeah, I'm a, I, I have to say I'm a little more hesitant on this, but uh, so SSI. For those of you who don't remember, way back in the the late '80s, early '90s, uh, SSI was the company that got the right to publish Dungeons Dragons games for the computers, and, and they did a marvelous job bringing that tabletop system to computers that had to run off a floppy disk i mean my friend and i would sit there waiting through load times that would go on and on and on just to play another battle 
Uh, it was just it, they were just so well done. The tactical uh, the tactical combat was uh, two decades ahead of its time. Uh, it's just I mean I wouldn't want to go back and play it now. It's using first edition D and D rules, which in and of themselves were overly complicated and are now archaic compared to later edition rules. But uh, as far as just the the quality of implementation and how deep and complex those uh, those fights were. It, it was just mind blowing. This is why you got to imagine when I when Shining Force came out years later on the Genesis, I found Shining Force to be like going from college back to elementary school because Shining Force compared to the SSI games, at least from the tactical level, felt like elementary class. It just it's just too easy, too simple. That's how deep those games were. Uh, should I should I find a way to get you to play more songs slash longer, sir? That's somewhat more complex. Oh, well, this, that's back when I had, like, lots of free time and entire summers to devote to this stuff. <laughs> so, and a lot more brain power than after I come home from my accounting job. Uh, so, anyways, so the that, that, that company is called SSI. So, apparently, some of the people from that company from way back in the day have formed a new company called TSI. Their logo, <laughs> the logo they have looks very, very similar to that old logo. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I, I had to say, just looking at it, though, they got some art. They got some artwork up there. They got like this animation of what could be a battle screen. Uh, you know, I've already got my money in like two or three different projects, so I'm really not wanting to put some more money out there uh, until some of those other ships come in. But if you donate twenty five bucks, you get uh, you get a DRM free copy of the game when it comes out. Alrighty, that was our old school. Those are old old school style RPGs on Kickstarter in a minute. Not a minute. That was more than a minute. Everything we do on the show is more than a minute. <laughs> but hey, that's the way we roll. Pillars of speaking of uh, strategy, tactical RPGs, old school style. Pillars of Eternity should be coming out soon, March twenty six. So a lot of people kickstarted that one. That'll be coming out. I didn't kickstarter it. Yeah, it looks pretty. We'll see how well it reviews. But uh, that's supposed to be the spiritual successor to like Baldur's Gate. But you'll be happy to know. It's not use, utilizing the old second edition D and D rules anymore, which was a huge turnoff to anybody who was not familiar with those rules. So looks pretty cool. We'll see how well it works. All right, anything else I'm not thinking of, guys? I think we can cover whatever has been left off because we're going to get together again not too far in the future. <laughs> we, hmm. After all, I think we have met the the length requirement that you have said exists. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Something. Right. Okay. Well, then I believe it's my my duty, no, my honor, to remind our listeners that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Check out everything at RPGamer.com, including our – how many sister podcasts are we up to now? Three? We have RPG Cast, which goes over – current news and events in the rpg world we have the active topical banter where where they the last one was uh, about romances yeah they they managed to talk about something in only an hour don't don't ask don't ask me how you do that and then there's this other (laughs) blasphemous show (laughs) what was it called again because i i i I purposely forgot it q and a i can't even say it um where they, they do only have no just man. it's actually 26 minutes i think <laughs> well wow. phil phil let, let's let's be kind this is the first episode we've we've got to grow into it right 
Wasn't our first episode together like three and a half? The one, wasn't that like Final Fantasy VII or something went on for like three and a half hours? No, our first episode together was Castlevania II oh, and the Night. And that still went on for like two and a half hours, didn't it? It was that long. Should have been. How long was the lead from the archives? podcast again? Oh, yeah, the Disgaea podcast. Remember that, uh, one? That, one, that one was closing in on five hours. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, yeah, appreciate y'all for listening. And, Mr. Miki, do you have any final comments to put us to bed with? Uh, do I really need to say anything else about Demon Souls except... No, I don't need to say anything else. Mr. Apps and Mr. Cunningham already covered it quite well. I'm glad that I didn't try to slam any more souls into this because we couldn't have handled it. That's a lot of death. Put me into your PlayStation and I will kill 